What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, brought to you by Bloke Beer. It is finals week, grand final, and there's only one beer to drink. That is right, Bloke Beer. We are in every single celebrations, Bottolo, IGA Plus Liquor, and Porter's Liquor in New South Wales and ACT. No other beer loves footy the way we love footy, guys. It is the only beer to drink for this grand final on the weekend, so make sure to grab a case and sit back and enjoy footy the, may, the way it was supposed to be enjoyed. And beer, bloke beer is a beer for blokes that turn up for family, mates, and a good time. Also, DMP shirts are dropping tonight at 6 p.m. Make sure to be there. Do not miss out. The pre-sale drop is tonight, 6 p.m. Also, as well as all of that, we will be at the Locker Room Hotel. Myself, Guru, SC Playbook, Timmy, and Hello Sport from 4.30 p.m. The Locker Room Hotel outside a core stadium. Make sure to come down and celebrate the year with us. It's going to be a fantastic day. We're going to be doing a live show, previewing the grand final, talking all things rugby league, meeting and greeting, all that great stuff, saying thank you guys so much for supporting us all year long. It is free to get in, completely free to get in. So make sure to get down there early. It's going to be packed. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby. Just a bloke in a bar. All good, boys? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> let's go, baby. Grand final week. <clears throat> what is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. Look, I say it's a special week every week, but oh, baby, it's a special week this week. It's grand final week. And not only is it grand final week, it's the Battle of the West. Outside of Sydney Roosters versus Rabbitohs at the end of the year, this would honestly be the grand final I would hope to see. I am so fucking pumped. I'm so toey for this. You could say I'm aroused if you want. Look, I'll let you say it. Yes, I'm aroused. Guru, are you aroused? Sure am, mate. I don't think it could have got any better than this. Oh, yeah. Timmy, I know you're aroused, baby. Boy, mate, I'm, I'm copping a semi at the moment. <laughs> this is going to be one of the best grand finals of all time. I cannot wait. And, Matty, fuck me. I know you're aroused. Oh, I need a bit more foreplay to get over the South uh, <laughs> game. Give me, give me to a Wednesday and get I'll be aroused. Get over your ex. Yeah. Jeez, you're going to move on quick. few days. You're a fucking heartless <laughs> monster, Matty. Jesus. It's only Monday, mate. Um, look, I am super, super excited, guys. Grand final week. It's worked out perfectly. We've got a team that is third grand final. We've got the Para Eels, the longest drought. How ironic that the, the longest drought compared to a team that's made its third grand final. It's, it's like almost a story like couldn't be more polar opposite. The Battle of the West. And what I love about it as well is like, you know, there's rugby league, but off the field, there's so much going on in those areas that the passion that is going to be like filtered through to the players is going to be incredible. I really hope that we get a grand final week that, look, I don't want manufactured drama, but I hope it's not super quiet and everyone just like keeps their head low and doesn't want to say anything to offend anyone else. Like, let's get crazy, baby. Let's make this one. Let's make this the biggest fucking grand final ever. Especially, look, AFL, yes, they're ahead of us in many ways, but on the weekend, that grand final... Holy heckers. That was tough. That was tough. I watched about 10 minutes because I was like, this is not even a game. Um, so this is a real opportunity for NRL. As I said, the AFL are ahead of us in many – like, they're just ahead of us. But it's an opportunity for the NRL to have a at least a better grand final. Uh, brought to you, as always, by Budgie Smuggler. Budgie Smuggler on the hunt for Australia's most ordinary rig. Entries close October 5th, and the top 10 will be flown to Sydney to a take in a pageant hosted by Hello Sport. 10K is up for grabs, half for you, half for your chosen sports club or charity. You'll also get a billboard in your hometown. It's getting warmer, baby, on the weekend. I can feel the sun dripping on me back. 
look, did I feel like I was in the best nick to get the shirt off? No, I didn't, but I still got it off anyway. That's what I did. And that's what it's about. If you have got an ordinary rig, that's all right, baby. That's all right. So head over to budgiesmuggler.com.au, grab some budgies. Summer is coming. Um, also, grab a case of bloke and my beer. If there is a beer for the finals footy, it has to be bloke beer. No, no beer loves uh, footy as much as bloke beer. I think we all know that. And our bloke beer is a beer for blokes that turn up. So turn up to our grand final show at the Locker Room Hotel. That is right. Myself, Guru, Timmy, Maddie, Hello Sport will be at the Locker Room Hotel. It is right outside a core stadium. You can go sit there, have a beautiful feed, have a bunch of beers, responsibly of course and then you can mosey on into the grand final it is the perfect spot to come down even if you're even if you don't want to watch actually go in even if you didn't get tickets come down to celebrate this year that has been the biggest year bloke has ever had you guys have been incredible and we want to celebrate that with you it's completely free to get in so we're not even charging we want it to be free because it's about you guys it's about celebrating the incredible year so that is at 4 30 the locker room hotel Make sure to be there. Come down, say hi. I want to see all of you there. Um, and meet you all and say thank you for the support throughout the year. Also, DMP shirts go on sale tonight at 6 p.m. You saw the pictures of them. They're fucking hot stuff right now. 6 o'clock tonight. That is Monday. The DMP shirts with Hello Sport. It is a collab with Hello Sport and Bloke. 6 p.m. tonight. Now, let's get, in. Let's get straight into it, baby, because... It does. I'm just excited. I'm super excited. But let's talk about the Penny Panthers first. They won the SG ball. They won the Jersey flag. They won the New South Wales Cup. And they're into the grand final. If they win the grand final, it will be the first time ever that a club has won all four of those in one year. Now, I've spoken about it ad ad nauseum. The scariest thing about the Penrith Panthers is, imagine you could take Melbourne's system, I know it's a different system, but I mean the quality of Melbourne, the same quality, and you could put it in a rugby league heartland. (coughs) That is what we are witnessing. We are witnessing the best system in the NRL with the best base and the biggest base in the NRL. It's scary times, Guru, scary times. Yeah, it's wild. And I mean, you have a look at those three grand finals, obviously the SG balls at the start of the year, but the flag, the cup... And then NRL this week, like as soon as New South Wales Cup gets an injury, they take a player from Jersey Flag and bring them up. And it's a domino effect. Like Charlie Staines playing in the NRL this week, <coughs> New South Wales Cup would have lost a player. So would the flag. Someone well, else would have come up. Like New South just... Wales, and you, you told me this, New South Wales Cup won a finals game when all their players were playing NRL. Yeah. It's unbelievable. That's what like, yeah, you've already used the term good system. It's a fucking unbelievable system. Mm-hmm. Like to think how, and I mean, You've also got, like, whilst Penrith are still in this comp and they're losing players here and there, every other team they're playing, they've got a full squad to pick from. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It, the, the more you think about what Penrith are doing at the moment, the crazier it is, and they're all local Do juniors. you remember who they played? Um, I think it was the one? Bears, wasn't it? I think. I and think so that's played. Roosters? Yeah, Roosters side, yeah. So think about that, guys. They beat the Roosters with not even their reserve grade side. They beat it with, they beat it with the reserve grade side of their reserve grade side. They beat them with their flag side, yeah. Essentially. It's like, crazy. There would have been a few players sprinkled in there that were normal players, but... And, like, you have a look at that flag. The guy that kicked the winning field goal, Isaiah Katoa, he was the SG ball half back at the start of the <laughs> Like, they, the, the, the hooker was the SG ball half back. They've all come from SG to Jersey flag and dominated that level as well. That's, that's like a two, three-year step up as far as age goes. And, and look, uh, Dolphins fans, guess who got Katoa? Very good signing. So yeah. Dolphins got Katoa, guys, and he is a gun. An I've absolute gun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, Timmy, what do you reckon? 
Yeah, <coughs> incredible from the Penny Panthers, isn't it? And they, it's such a win. <coughs> Penrith's success is such a win for rugby league, mm. in my opinion, because mm. they've invested in these systems and putting them in place through, as you said, the heartland of rugby league, which is Western Sydney. They've also invested big time in Western New South Wales and country rural regions, which have, has produced guys like Matty Burton, Liam Martin, Isaiah Yo, just such integral parts of their outfit. So it's a win for rugby league in that, I think there's got to be clubs that do similar and see this blueprint success and that teams can develop juniors and they will come through and you will get success at the top as opposed to these methods of, all right, let's save money on development and just go and poach players elsewhere and bring them to our club, Mm. which is really detrimental to the game long term because Mm. you're not investing in grassroots. Penrith are investing in grassroots and it's helping them all the way to the top and they're beginning to, well, they've got a dynasty Mm. happening as we speak. So it's just fantastic for rugby league. I think, and look, I I apologise to Tigers fans, and and look, I'm semi-new to rugby league. I didn't grow up with it. I don't know the history, all that kind of stuff. But that's when when I see stuff like this and I look at the Tigers, I I think, like, you guys should be out in Campbelltown, the heartland of Campbelltown, And just doing exactly like Campbelltown, I think, is an even bigger base. Like then, and so when I see that, and I look at the Tigers, and they're currently based in Balmain, I go, why aren't they based out in Campbelltown? And then maybe they take a game or two. I, I, it, it, it shocks me. Anyway, apologies. I know it's, we're not talking about the Tigers, but again, I just think that the Tigers are in the same position as the Panthers when it comes to potentially a huge base of a rugby league heart, heartland that they could be completely dominating and they're not. Well, um, they, they, they were for a long time, mate, and St Gregory's out in Campbelltown, I brought it up a couple of times, but I was fortunate enough to go up there just for year 11 and 12, mm. and for years and years it was such a stronghold in rugby league, still is in terms of popularity, but this school was one of the biggest rugby league schools um, in the country for many, many years, particularly through the 80s and 90s. Still is, don't get me wrong, but from long before when I was getting there, Local kids in around the area, they weren't going to St Greg's. They were going out to Patrician Brothers Blacktown mm. and out to these um, St Dominic's College and other other schools away from St Greg's, which to, to old boys 20 years ago, I'd be sitting there going, like, what's happening? Because they're, they're being poached by the school. So it, it's, it's, if you find the West Tigers, I'm working with St Greg's and I'm saying, let's get all these players, let's get them to your school, let's develop them as people, as footballers and get them into our system because they are Campbelltown locals. Yeah. Like, and not just Campbelltown, but surrounding areas around there. We've seen so many good footballers come out of there and as you said, with what Penrith are doing out their way, the Tigers need to just do the same around there. I, I really do. I, I think, look, I'm sure there is so much more, like it's not like there aren't intelligent people involved in the Tigers and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure people have had conversations about this and there's a bunch of roadblocks as to why they can't but outside looking in i go i look at the panthers and i go that could be the tigers that could really be the tigers um do you think like are we looking at next 10 years no next 20 years how many premierships do we think that the panthers should win i I heard matty johns a few weeks ago say that he thought if it was less than four it'd be a disappointment I think it's hard to argue with, to be honest. Mate, hundred percent. Over how many years? Next ten. Next ten. Well, what? Cleary's twenty-four. He's got another ten years. Yeah. Luai's twenty-five. But they're going to have including this one. Home. Like, let's say they win this, this week. one. Yeah, if yeah. they win, yeah. If they win, mate. Even if they don't, if they were to win four in the next nine, like they, they, and that's easy <coughs> to say on paper and everything. Yeah. A lot can happen, and it would in be week insanity if they did. Yeah, but it's but what's in mental is like it's not out of the realm of possibility. Well, it's not. I mean, what? How many like? 
The Melbourne Storm, Storm would have won four odd in 12, 17, 20. 20. So they got three. Three in 10 years. But they lost another, what, two grand finals in that yeah. time? So by a, a score. So. Yeah. It's, and put it this way, like let's say you counted, let's say you counted the one they've already got, Panthers, and it does just say that they somehow get the job done this weekend and you started from 2020, 2020 you've already done two. They've got to win two in six all the time. Two in six like, years. Yeah. Fucking not. It's not like... Mate, if you, I just I say it every honestly I say it every week, but I want to know when was the moment because this didn't like they weren't like second or third and like for example, you can see Parramatta Eels. You go, you look at the Parramatta Eels and you go, okay, they were fucking sixteenth. Brad Arthur comes in, they go, uh, they go really well. Then they have one really poor year, but then outside of that, he's just been better, 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 better. So you can watch the progress, mm. and Brad Arthur has been a big part of that. And he doesn't get enough. I don't think he gets anywhere near the raps that he deserves. He's, they were the wooden spoon when he took over, literally the wooden spoon. Well, but you can look at it. Credit when due, boys, and it grinds my gears a little bit to say this, but you've got to give it to him. Phil Gould, um, mm. you know, he gets people, a lot of people offside, but he went in, <clears throat> was it about seven or eight years ago, maybe that infamous five-year plan? Mm. And look, the success is there and we've just spoken about this Penrith dynasty that's beginning uh, and we think it's probably in the very early stages of it. He went in there, he owned it, he said, I've got this five-year plan to turn Penrith back into the, the powerhouse that they once were and look at the success. So, yeah, and, and there would have been a million people who were involved in making yeah. that happen. Hook, hook to a degree, you know, yeah. Anthony Griffin was there, there would have been general managers, CEOs, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So it's, you know, you've got to give the bloke credit for yeah. it. It, it is wild to think though that like the way they did it, as you said with Parramatta, you see Brad Arthur comes in, like if you look through the timeline at Penrith, it's let Ivan Cleary go. Then bring, like it, it's a crazy way that it has unfolded. Yeah. That they let him go. His son then comes through the ranks and they meet up once again. Yeah, but they like, and the crazy thing is they only really brought him back because his son. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they didn't go, yeah. Ivan, oh, you're a really good coach now. They went, oh, shit, we need to keep Cleary here. Let's bring Ivan back. And to Ivan's credit, I actually ran into him a, um, probably about, well, I don't know, a month ago. Oh, no, longer. It was uh, Origin, mm. just at the airport. Ran him twice in two weeks. Uh, and I just, I congratulated him. I said, mate, what you've done is incredible. He was very humble and all that kind of stuff. But he, oh, he's another guy. What's interesting as well, you know how we were talking a few weeks ago, Ivan Cleary, and we were like, looking back to that South Penrith game last year where it looked like Wayne completely dunked on him and he came out and he said all this crazy stuff and we're like, Ivan, where has this come from? And then what do you know? The week before this game, once again, Ivan Cleary was in the paper, like in the media discussing the blockers and all that kind of stuff. And I start to go, fuck, I reckon Ivan is way smarter than we think he is. Smarter than I gave him credit for. Oh, he, I thought Wayne did an absolute number on him last year. <laughs> but it looks intentional now. 100%. Oh, man, I thought he was in a body bag last year. Yeah, I thought after. he – I mean, we sat here on this podcast and said, Ivan, mate, you're going against the GOAT. What are you doing? And yet you go – look at the pattern here. You go, Ivan – we haven't heard about Ivan the whole season. Like he is going for his third grand final in a row – and we haven't even spoken about him. We've spoken about Peyton, Demetrio. We've spoken about Fitzgibbon. We've spoken about Brad Arthur. Ivan Cleary is in his third grand final. Third grand final. We haven't heard about him all year. He's going for his back-to-back premiership. And then the first week they play the Rabbitohs again. And the first week in the prelim, same thing that happened last year, in the prelim, all of a sudden he's in the media. I think he does it all. I think he's that smart. He intentionally does it to take headlines off other players. And you think about what he's had to overcome this year, like, 
what, there's a two-month period in Origin where he farewelled his entire spine. Yeah. They all went off. He sent off Toto. He sent Crichton. He was in hospital, for God's sake. He was in hospital, yeah. Like he wasn't there. Half blood the infection time. or something mm. like that. He finally gets them all back together and he loses Nath for five weeks. Mm. Then he loses Jerome Luai with injury. Like a, a similar thing ha- happened last year with them as well. Mm. They, they lost both <coughs> their halves leading into finals. And I, yeah, it's funny. I, I actually I had Nath on after, after the grand final last year and I went back and I listened to it the other day and I sort of said, oh, in hindsight, it was a bit of a blessing to have a couple of weeks off after Origin. He sort of went, yeah, just let me refresh myself. And, and mm. that was with an injury this year. <clears throat> I mean, he hasn't had to recover for anything. He's just been able to get himself ready for this onslaught. And yep. fuck, hasn't he prepared well? Oh, man. Like, we'll, we'll get to, I think we'll get to the preview, or at least in the review, we'll talk about the Panthers game because it's a really interesting one. If you looked at the second half, you'd go, mate, this team is unstoppable. If you look at the first... 20 minutes you go what's going on there anyway we'll get to it um but yeah i just want to give it a massive shout out to penrith panthers all the start involved staff involved from the ceo down down to the tuck shop men and women um and honestly as a kid i didn't care about the ceo i cared about the tuck shop woman and men <laughs> when she was giving me fucking those little lollies and shit for free just <laughs> sliding them under she, uh, fuck the ceo mvp yeah she's the ceo of my life I didn't even know who the CEO was when I was a little kid. Um, it should be noted as well. Like, obviously, they're in the NRL Grand Final. Won the New South Wales Cup. Won the flag. Won the SG ball. The only other thing they could have won is the Harold match, which they didn't. They lost a grand total of two games this year. They just happened <laughs> to go out the first week of the finals. They lost one game before that. Wow. Yeah, so just amazing. If that's your <clears throat> flaw, doing pretty damn well. Oh, fuck. And again, success breeds success. Because what's going to happen now? If you're a young kid... In today's environment, who is the coolest club to go to? Not the best, because they're the best. We all know that at the moment. Who's the coolest club to go to? It's the Penrith Panthers. Who has the cool, the coolest? And you guys know we know all about cool. We predicted Dil, Dil Brown being the coolest man in the country. <laughs> we predicted that at the start of the year. I'm wearing the great Dil Brown shirt today. We are the North. Head to wearethenorth.com.au or .co.nz. I'm not sure. I think it's .com.au. Grab some Dylan Brown merch. We the North. It's actually fucking hectic. I've got a jumper too. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's a scary prospect. Again, when you add in, not only you're the best, you're the coolest. You you are ingra- ingrained or ingratiated throughout the culture of young kids all across the country of like seeing Bizarre and seeing Luai, seeing Critter. I mean, even their fucking nicknames are cool. So that's scary. special. It's fun, guys. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, crazy times, and it's what again. It's it's what's really good about it, Penrith Panthers as well. It's like that's a tough area with a lot going on. There's going to be so many kids, and it's getting worse. Which is, you know, obviously we're not going to get into all the bad stuff that's happening out there at the moment. But there's going to be a lot of young men um, and women, but you know, a lot of young men that will see rugby league as an escape from a lot of stuff that's happening there. So it's really, it's coming at an important time. That's crazy as well. Like you look at Nathan Cleary, he's the main guy out there. Like if you're a 14 year old in Penrith right now, like by the time you make your first grade debut, you could still play six years with him Mm. at his peak. Mm. Yeah. Crazy. And it's unbelievable. And like, I know people don't like to hear this or whatever, but Nathan Cleary is Joey Johns to a lot of these young kids. It is. It's the truth. It's just like our parents, if we said, when Joey was killing it, if we said Joey, our parents would be like, you fucking serious? Sturlow was, is the man. Um, <laughs> My dad used to eat me alive for not saying Wally Lewis. Yeah. Like, so It's the exact same thing. And it's before the same that, thing. there would have been same guys. Like Yeah. So, like, it's, it's a special time. Like, they've got not only the best systems in the country, not only the best juniors in the country, they've got the Joey 
of this generation. Again, again, guys, I'm not saying he's Andrew Johns. Please relax. But to these young kids, that's who he would be. That's who he would be. Um, it's, 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 yeah. So congratulations to everyone out in Penrith. Now, on to uh, huge news. Suli, pick Samoa. Um, I guess, you know, want to get your general thoughts. I don't know what the answer is to this one. I really don't. Um, I'll get your th- thirds for, thirds for thoughts first, Guru. Might be a boring topic, mate, because I don't know what the answer is either. Yeah. I, I love that he is playing for Samoa. Um, you know, obviously going to be cheering on the Kangaroos, <laughs> but I want this World Cup to be a success. And I think it's it's best for the World Cup if these guys go, go and choose those nations to play for. He's going to be unreal for them. Um, we have got other wingers and whatnot that we can bring in. They're not as good as him. But we have got other wingers that, that we, we can cover. And the gap between who Samoa could pick at fullback, if it's not Suwali'i to the next guy, is heaps bigger than the gap the Kangaroos would have to their next winger. So I'm all for it. As far as origin, though. Yeah. I'd be Look, fucked if I know the if answer. If I wake up and I've got my World Cup hat on, I go, this is fantastic. Yeah. This is fantastic. If I wake up and I've got my origin hat on and as a Queenslander... <coughs> I go, oh, I just, I don't know. I don't know. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, firstly, on the the broader picture, just the World Cup, like there's this whole league v union, um, you know, rivalry that's gone on for years and years and will continue to. And rugby league's in such a great period at the moment where it's just blossoming and rugby union <coughs> for many different reasons is, particularly in Australia, in Australia more than anything, I should say, yeah. is battling and, They've always got the one over us that it's like they've got their World Cup and we can never match that. Now, I'm not saying we will match that, but I know that we're going into this World Cup going, there's, you know, five different teams who can win it for the first time ever. Yep. And it's as a result of guys like Suwali'i going to Samoa. And there's just, as opposed to other years where you might get two or three, maybe four, like, of the top-line games where it's going to be a tightish result, but the Kangaroos and <coughs> Kiwi still probably win it. We've got so many blockbuster games, and this World Cup's going to be unbelievable. And Suwali'i, uh, another one going to Samoa, is just wonderful for the game. Uh, another notch in his book is just being an absolute legend. And it's so big because, you know, again, you, you don't like to say it and put it out there, but, you know, people pick money over um, allegiances all the time in, in world sport. And I've spoken to people who, footballers who have, off the books, committed to, you know, a an international side over an origin or a vice versa or whatever due to money he was just saying look pays more and uh, I've got to set myself up post footy and that's fine so for Suli he'd be I'd imagine he'd be giving away a pretty decent pay packet to go play for Samoa and he's what 18 years old or 19 years old what an enormous thing to do massive and so that's where like I'm torn because I'm a Queenslander (coughs) and I'm passionate about origin but then I go okay like where do we want this direction of the head the game to head in 50 years, do we want it to be the dominant game in the Pacific nations? I think we probably do because that's millions and millions more people. Right now, like Origin is probably – like it's always going to get a little bit bigger, but you'd say it's probably at its peak as in like there's not going to be astronomical change mm. in the next 50 mm. years with Origin. Like where are we going to get another 4 million people to tune into Origin? Like it's just probably not going to happen. And so when you look at it from like a broad spectrum and you go, okay, Suwali'i picks Samoa, how many young kids now in Samoa, just like what happened with Fafida and uh, Taumalolo when they went with Tonga, are going to go, I want to play rugby league because Suwali'i plays for Samoa. And so when you look at it from that, from the bird's eye view of like where you want the game to be in 50 years, you go, you know, it's probably best for the game. I think though, 
we don't want to make it for a free-for-all. I, I, I do still think we need some qualifications for, for Queensland versus New South Wales. I, like, I don't <coughs> think that if you've come over here when you're 16, 17, that you should play Origin. I just, I just don't think. So currently it's like 13 years old or 14 years old. So there is a qualification. Am I, would I be being honest if I didn't say it stung me a little bit to see like a person play in origin, but then not play for Australia? Like, no, I, it does like make me feel a bit like, ah, oh, damn, that sucks. Cause I'm Australian. Like I'm a passionate Aussie. But at the same time, when Tonga beat Australia all those years ago, I won't lie. I was kind of like, obviously I didn't want Australia to lose, but I also enjoyed seeing the Tongan fans and players experience something so incredible. So it's such a nuanced uh, argument. I, re I really, you could, one day I'd wake up, I feel a certain way, the next day I'd wake up, feel a certain way. I don't know. Yeah, and I agree. Like, I, I honestly, that, that Tonga game is one of my favourite moments in rugby league history, mm. without a it doubt. It was incredible. It was crazy, you know, like, yeah. it was it was so good. I, I loved every minute of it. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'll call it what it is. I enjoyed it more than I think if the Kangaroos won. Yeah, fair. I'd, yeah. But yeah. Would you push back on that? No. Nah. Not, not at all. I get it, and a lot of people have the same opinion. Mm. And it's it's great now that it'd be the same at different sort of World Cups where you'd go into World Cups and be like, Australia are going to win it, whatever, and then the Kiwis go and win it, and there's just that little part of you going, you know what, as an Aussie, damn it, but this is good for the international game. Mm. It's the same thing as when a Tonga beat Australia. You know what, good for the international game. It's now going to get to the point where if these Samoas and Tonga, these sorts of teams are so strong, I'm going, God, no, I don't want them to beat us. Yeah, like because it's like they absolutely could beat us. Yeah, maybe it'd be good for the game, but it's like they're a bloody good side. I don't want to be losing to sides like Samoa and Tonga anymore. Because yeah, that's <laughs> the point. it is crazy when you apply the same logic. Like I'm sure when New South Wales won our first series in eight, you weren't like, oh, good on them. It's good to see them win. You yeah, know? nah, fuck no. It's just it? completely different. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no. Cooper Cronk didn't play. Yeah, <laughs> Cooper Cronk didn't play. But we I mean, it, will, will we get to that point? Like, if all these World Cups are close and international rugby league changes, and in five years' time, every game mm. is a close game, <coughs> I don't know if I'm still going to. Once, if we, if we do start losing, which I think there's a really good chance we mm. do, mm. I think my emotions around it will change. Yeah, for sure. Pretty quickly. I think as well, like, when it gets down to the core of it, my core, the only concern I have, so I love that Suali's done this, I love that Tamalolo, all those boys, I think it's incredible. I think it should be praised. It's an honourable thing do, to do, it's integrity. The only concern is like, I just hope Origin doesn't lose its mm. core values of what it really means to put on that Queensland mm. New South Wales jersey. And again, I'm not saying that these players care less at all, but I'm saying that like, the further this happens, the more that this happens, maybe maybe it does become a point where, you know, they care less, like players care less and less about Queensland versus New South, or, or maybe the fans or whatever. Now, again, we do have the qualification though. They have to be here at 13 years old. And, and if you're here from 13 till, you know, you're 20, 21, 22, like you're an Australian, like you're in, Australia, in my eyes anyway. If you identify and you, you love this country, I'll tell you a real funny story about like when I realized like maybe my thoughts of, you know, what like passionate Aussies were all about is like, it's gonna sound really weird. Uh, just just go with me on this one, guys. So I so me and my missus went to a, a Black Pink concert. And so they're like this K-pop band. Um, it was actually a really good experience. Anyway, so like the crowd is just all Asians, just like I'm the tallest guy in the building and like fucking, <laughs> I'm not that tall. I'm, I'm like what, 181 centimeters, around there, 181 centimeters. Anyway, and there was just a silence and then they all started chanting Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. And I was like, that's so sh like 
strange, that's surprising to me because I, I wouldn't assume that they loved the country as much as I did, but they just love it. They do love it as much as I do, but just in a different way, even though their heritage is obviously mm. not the same as mine that, you know, my grandfather's great-grandfather, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's where when people say, you know, these Pacific Islander boys can be just as passionate, that's where I go, you know what, they can. They, they love it in a little bit of a different way. Um, it's, it's, it's as much, but it's just a different a different way. Uh, yeah, and like I'm not I'm not so much worried about this over the next five or ten years, but like in 20, 25 years' time, if we do get the International Rugby League to a level <coughs> that we would like it to be at, you are going to then have kids that are growing up that are looking at, you know, a Samoan jersey as yeah, the, pinnacle the pinnacle over a New South sure. Wales jersey, which probably should be, yeah. to be fair. Like it is very back – it's great, I love it, but it is very backwards in rugby league that we have – our state versus state rivalry is bigger than the international rivalry. Well, it's it's one of the only games in the world that does it. Well, I'd be shocked if there's another game in the world that has it. Well, it's like, it's like, look, we have to ask ourselves this question: If you don't grow as a product or a business or a game, you die. Mm-hmm. You like, you can never just sit there like that because eventually you just get you die. And so we ask ourselves as a game, and we're all rugby league fans here. If you had to sacrifice a bit of that origin magic to take this game to the next level in the next fifty years. Would you? And again, you may not have to sacrifice that magic. I'm just saying that, like, that's the worst case scenario. You know, maybe, maybe we we have to. I don't know. Origin is such a beast. Do you really think it's going to be harmed that much if half the players are playing for Tonga Samoa? Like, is it really going to die enough that we shouldn't? Well, I th- let this I think happen? like what Guru said is like in the next five years or ten years, like no, fuck, of course not, like. Fucking no way. But like in the next 50 years, like could it become a, a back seat? And, and, and I guess in, in 50 years time, there's a whole new generation that they, they don't, they're okay with that. As long as the game is growing, I guess is what we're trying to yeah. say. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I, I just think that, and I'm sure I can talk for all of us growing up, like for me, the New South Wales jersey was the pinnacle. Well, you can, I'll Queensland. Yeah, Queen, yeah, but like the state of origin jersey was the pinnacle. When I started playing for 100%, put it, put it this way, you know what's funny? Is when I played nationals at national for soccer, so obviously I was a Queenslander, What's bizarre is that rivalry was still there. We still, as Queenslanders, were like, fuck those New South Wales guys. I think they're better than us. They think they've they got all the flash gear. They're all fucking flashing that. And that's in soccer. So that's how ingrained it is. Mm. We're talking about soccer here too. Like, <laughs> we get touched and we fall on the ground. But that, like, I, I just worry that if the, if the international game does become the pinnacle, which hopefully it will, mm. and it probably should, mm. Uh, if it will maybe take away from State of Origin. And, mate, I don't think State of Origin is going to fall off. No, nah, no one's saying yeah, I'm not, I'm not no suggesting that, that, but I don't know. We've just got such a unique when, when it, thing when it comes to State of Origin. That it's the thing that I like sometimes when I'm, when I'm thinking like this and then I see like maybe a younger generation, I wonder, am I just the older generation mm. that is attached to something? <laughs> yeah. And the younger generation is going, are you fucking mad? You don't <laughs> want our game to be a world game. Yeah. You don't want... And so maybe maybe that is just part of us being, you know, you're over 30, I'm over 30. Um, Not yet, but that's fine. How old are you? 29. Oh, well, fuck. 30 on Thursday for those that want to reach oh, out. So. <laughs> Thursday, eh? Leave a happy birthday for the great Gurino. Um, you know, so, yeah, look, as I said, I, I don't know what the answer is, but, I, well, I don't know what the process is. All I hope is the game is growing. The game is growing. That's the, all I care about. If it means we, origin is takes a back seat in fifty years' time, 
I'd be okay with that as long as the game isn't fucking dying. That's what I care about. In saying that, how good would it be if these internationals in 10 years' time are at the same level as State of Origin? Oh. Like, oh, I don't know if it's possible to be able to do because State of Origin is so unique. Well, I mean, unique, which Australia versus New Zealand? I know we fucking, you know, don't get near Australia New Zealand. Australia New Zealand in Union. Like, I'll, I'll watch that even though I don't really enjoy watching Union. And the, the spectacle of it all, there is something magical about mm. that. Imagine if we could get to that point. Yeah, and imagine if we were good. Yeah. Uh, well, like a great thought, pro, um, like a, a thought experiment is like, imagine how good the Wallabies, Wallabies would be if they could have all the best rugby league players. Imagine fucking GI down the sideline in a <laughs> Union jersey. Yeah. Like, like cause that, the All Blacks, that's their number one. That's why they're so good. It's their number one sport. I wonder how good we'd be if all of our best players were fucking... Yeah, without getting into rugby union and stuff. Like, I've got a mate that I went to high school with who's in the Wallabies team. Mm. He's played three games. I didn't know he was in it until the second. No <laughs> way. I had no idea. That's crazy. That's It's in a, such a rough spot, union at the moment. Um, and you know what's in, insane? And I guess it maybe answers our question. We still consider it the bigger international game, even though we don't even know half the players that are playing in the, in the Australian side. You know, well, I, like I, yeah, I don't watch AP Union, but I would know more All Blacks than I would Wallabies. You know what? Me too, probably. Me too. Um, yeah. So look, to be clear, just to wrap it all up, guys, I I think this is fucking such a, a brave move from Suwali'i. I commend him for having integrity like this, and I think also, you know, the impact he's going to have on young Samoan kids. There's no amount of money that could pay for that. You could put a facility in the middle of Samoa and you could pay fucking $10 million to have it done. I still don't think that that facility would have as much impact as seeing Su'ali'i to hundreds of thousands of young kids mm. in that jersey for the next 10 years. Um, so commend him for that. And as I said, when I'm with my Rugby League World Cup hat, I want everyone to play who they're passionate for, whoever they're, whatever. Put it again, I don't, at, at the same time as an Australian, if this isn't the number one jersey you want to play for, I don't want you in the jersey. And, and, and that would be the same, you know, if I was a Samoan, Tongan, Kiwi yep. as well. So it's a win-win. If a World Cup had on. So where, where, where do you sit? Obviously, so we'll let you, like, if he wants to play Origin next year, he'll be able to? For, yeah, I think yeah. so for now. I think Victor I, Radley obviously can't. Yeah, look, fuck. Yeah. No, I'm having a can of worms. Yeah. But where do you... can, I, can I just jump in? Yeah. And you all agree we've spoken about it a hundred times. Suali'i and... Like, surely no one's questioning Suali'i and Radley absolutely bleeding for their state as well as their country, not being Australia. Like, I seriously have zero problem with it at all. Yeah. I get the point of maybe it's going to look weird if in a few years half of them won't, won't be playing for Australia, but if that international game gets as big as it does in 10, 20 years, it won't be an issue at that time. It'll be two separate things, state and international. I, I just think we need to do it. <coughs> And I mean, we have seen it before. I believe Tony Carroll, he played for New Zealand and played for Queensland. Uh, Brad Thorne had jumped from the All Blacks to the Kangaroos every second year. <laughs> um, was it Nathan Thien? Did he do the same? Or it was uh, maybe PJ Marsh? There was, it was, it was another uh, hooker that did the same thing. So it's not unheard of at the yeah. end of the day. Look, I think, I think if, I, you know, if you we're talking about fair, then Radley should be able to play. If, if Suali'i and To'o, Critter are allowed to play origin then i think radley should be as well like you look at tony carroll he played 18 games for queensland five games for new zealand seven games for australia <laughs> and is anyone saying that he wasn't well, you, you played with tons of do you think he would have he would have handled any differently mate he was a maniac what about big bad richard villasanti oh villasanti was, yeah. was kiwi's and aussies oh he? mate he was a beast <laughs> he was a beast so yeah 
again, it feels weird to say like, <clears throat> you know, Radley can play because he played for England. But if you're being fair by the letter of the law, if the Samoan boys are allowed to play, um, and they've literally like they've literally chosen that as their first nation, just like Radley has, um, <clears throat> then it's only fair. Did uh, you play with um, Brad Thorne? He was at the club when I was at the club. I, I think I did. Maybe 2007. I trained a lot with him. I remember one time I was at the gym and like I was just, just standing. I don't know like whether I was like standing with my head down and like then there was a mirror and I looked up and Brad Thorne was behind me and he was like, this is a real man. Boom. <laughs> and I was like, you're correct. You are correct, <laughs> sir. <laughs> um, Fuck, he was wild. Like, he was he, big, he, man. Look at his rap sheet, like Sonny Bill before. He's one Sonny of the greatest Bill, fucking like, athletes yeah. our Australia and New Zealand has ever seen. He, he literally used to jump from the back row of the All Blacks to yeah. the Kangaroos. Automatic. Amazing. He's amazing. He's a coach now for Core Reds, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's literally my like standout memory with him is like him standing behind me in the mirror going, Bows! And I was like, damn, that's a big human being. Um, okay. Uh, now, um, we'll just quickly go through this. Uh, Prime Minister's 13. Uh, look, I'm not sure why this was played in Australia. Um, you know, I th maybe there's some security concerns. I know a few weeks ago in Queensland Cup, there was some... Uh, back and forth with the Q Cup side because they were a bit worried about some security or whatever. I'm not sure that is the reason, but I'm saying that that did happen a few weeks ago. Um, I will say this game should always be played in PNG. Uh, it, it should never be played in Australia, in my opinion. Um, but maybe there's reason for it. I'm sure that they've got good reason. For, but when I you know watched it last night, it's kind of like, you know, it just doesn't have... Well, like, what's the real purpose of this game? But by playing it in Australia, it should be played in PNG. Um, so outside of that, there's, there's not really much to take away from this because I think even PNG was missing a few players as well. Uh, so, you know, of course, Australia with a like, much deeper field are going to play well. Uh, some standouts, Dane Laurie, uh, Avarillo, um, Bo Firma had a really good game as well. Selwyn Cobbo was good. Um, yeah, again, not really that much to talk about, guys. It was a, you know, 64 to 14. I just think they should play in PNG. Yeah, you'd have to assume there's more to it as to why they didn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think the biggest takeaway for this is, you know, young guys that get to go into this and spend a week with some of the older guys. Like if I was the Bulldogs and I had Avarillo and Burton in there and Max King getting to spend a week with you, Cherry Evans and these sort of guys, a little positive to come out of it. And other guys like Jake Simkin, Luke Garner, Josh Curran, Sammy Walker, all would have taken positive experiences out of it, but... Uh, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know it was on until yeah. halftime. Benny Hunt um, was so good at number nine. Yeah. He's such a he's such a good hooker. Um, that one where he jumped out and put Walker over. Yeah. He's just electric, isn't he? he? And he's doing it like like I think after we scored like twenty points, it was like twenty four nil. They took a lot of the, the main guys off. Um, Angus Crichton was good. Angus Crichton just looked on another level, and rightly so. Like you know, with Angus Crichton, we're talking about the elite of the elite, like the best of the best of the NRL. Um, but yeah. But you're right, it's, it's good to get them in a camp and get a hit out or whatever. Um, I just think that it'd be better if it was in PNG, hopefully next year. Uh, now, uh, are we happy with the suspensions from the weekend? So we'll talk about kick out first. Copped a fine and he's free to play in the grand final. Now, just to be clear, guys, as well, I'm pretty sure grand final system is slightly different to normal footy. I think that's a good thing. I think, you know... For kick out and miss a grand final for that would be absolute insanity. And I know there's going to be someone that goes, well, hang on, what about Isaac Luke 2014, rah, rah. And look, 
Two wrongs don't make a right, baby. Two wrongs don't make a right. No one was happy about that. Then. Exactly. So, yeah. so it's just like just because he got the bad end of this, you know, do we do that? Do we mistreat everyone going forward because he got fucking the wrong call? You, you look back to that grand final, Matty. Both hookers were suspended, weren't they? Uh, Mick Ennis had a broken foot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Still, you went into that game without your two starting nines. Like. Anyone is one. But I think it's I crazy. That, that. Do you think it's crazy that Abby Coruscant was our hooker in the grand I final? <laughs> Pretty, yeah, shit guy to bring in. It's now in his third grand final. Um, what a fucking sliding doors moment going to uh, Panthers. Mate, he was signed still delivered to fourth? Canterbury. Yeah, I remember. I, that was like one of the rare times where I ponged, uh, ponged posted the wrong like mm. i posted he was at the bulldogs and then it flipped to the, the penrith and i was like fuck i'm gonna look like a dickhead um <clears throat> by the way it's his fourth grand final he's oh, oh it's yeah. a third in a row yeah. third in a row um and you know it's like you know manly what a sliding doors moment for manly because they thought they had nasty fainu coming through which he was a gun so they actually moved up on manly would be sitting there going oh oh my god like you moved up on Crazy. Anyway. Like imagine that team with Happy. I well. know. With Tom Dravojevic around the ruck and Appy Coruscant. Holy shit. Uh, now, kick out fine, um, but he's free to play. Look, yeah. Was it stupid? Like, what are you doing shoulder charging? Okay, yeah, Campbell Graham's got broken ribs and is Campbell Graham the toughest man alive? Yes, he is. Um, but I don't think he should miss a grand final. What do you reckon, boys? Yeah, I don't think he should miss it. I'm happy to listen to everyone's arguments why he should and I probably can't put together a fair argument why <coughs> to... Disagree with you, but it's a grand final. It's a grand final. One of the final, best players yeah. there. Like, did he? I've always said, um, like, for example, if Milne, Milne, like, let's say Rabbitohs made it, Milne's one, I would be like, no, he should not play the grand final. Because that was, like, so egregious <laughs> and so bad that it's, that's where I go. That, that, but anything that's like, you know, did anyone, you know, really get that hurt? Kind of accidental. Like, yeah, he had his arm kind of tucked, but it wasn't, you know, that's where I, I, I'm okay with it. Like, I'm okay with it. Whereas, like, put it this way. If he had a shoulder charge and hit his head, then I probably would say, no, he should miss a grand final. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, the NRL made that big change mid-season about June uh, around the grading of charges and punishments for around finals and origin and they had the separate representative sheets to what they did NRL regular NRL in general. <coughs> and the big one they did was that grade one and grade two charges, kickouts was grade one, but uh, for certain charges that were grade one and grade two, they'd push towards fines rather than match suspensions. And thank God they did. Like, I think it probably came 10 years too late, but at the same time, you know, they rectified it, they made the change. Because to see him wiped out of a grand final would just be awful for the individual, for the club, I think for the rugby league fan who, you know, this is the stage where the game is watched by so many millions of people across the world. We need our best product out there and we want it out there. Like, mm. So for minor charges, I think it's fantastic they've made these changes to allow them to play and absolutely kick out should be playing in the grand final. Now, Tamalolo, looking at three weeks, I've got to ask you the hard question, Guru. If Cowboys make the grand final, does he get three weeks? And I knew the question and I knew the answer. No, he'd be playing. <laughs> he'd be playing. Yeah. There's no... Uh, come on. Come on, guys. Come on. You know Tamalolo will be playing. There's no way the NRL is stopping Tamalolo from playing a grand final. What do you reckon, Timmy? Imagine the media circus around Oh, that. my like God. Slater that year around his, his shoulder charge oh was God. just enormous. And then when you look, when you think about what the Slater one, like there was no head contact... At all, if I there's none, eh? It was just a shoulder charge trying to save a try. So, yeah, it's like, bruh, 
We're missing grand finals for that. Come on, give me a break. Tao Malolo's hit his head. Yeah, that's. I'm like, I think he'd have missed. Yeah. He'd miss. I would have been absolutely gutted, but a late shoulder charge to the head. Like, how do you sugarcoat that and get him off? <coughs> it's really, really. I reckon hard they would have found a way. I reckon, yeah, I reckon they would have found a way. Yeah. How can you go from one week like suspending a guy next year yeah. to a bloke missing out? I know where you're coming from, though. Like it was, yeah. It was, on paper, if it was round seven, there's not a hope in hell he's playing round eight. Oh round yeah, nine, but, 10, even, but I, again, I even know where you're coming from in regards to like it was late, it was a head high, and you could make an argument it was a shoulder charge. <laughs> like, like, it, I, like I just look. I'm I'm too big of a fan of Tamalolo. though. I just I'm okay with. I know I've got a bias where if a player I you know there's not many players I don't like, but if a player I didn't love as much did it then I probably would say, mate, there's no way you can play. Um, I would let him play because I'd be like, screw it, it's a grand final. Yeah. <laughs> and I can catch on the best players out there, but yeah. I'm not on the judiciary, so I, I can be able to see it differently. Uh, imagine the circus. What do you reckon, Matty? You reckon the NRL letting him play? Absolutely. Absolutely no chance he would have missed the grand final. I, you know <laughs> what? When it, when it happened at the time, we were, we were watching it, me and my mates at the pub, and we said it at the time. We're like, if Cowboys win this, he'll play. If not, he'll get suspended. Yeah. Didn't know it'd be three weeks, but... Well, in my notes, I wrote, he's lucky he's not sent off. It was late into the head. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. But... Well, yeah. That, if it was prior to the changes <coughs> coming in mid-season, they couldn't get him off, yeah, I don't yeah. think. But with the changes coming in... Because you what, put him at grade two? Yeah, they put it at grade two and they go, big fine. They yeah. could have twisted that. Yeah. So yeah. maybe, maybe he could have. Now, here comes the worst question then. You know, playing for your country means a lot. Mm. This guy changed the international game by taking a massive sacrifice, playing for, for Tonga. He's a huge part of the, one of the biggest victories in World Cup history, uh, in, you know, world game history. Should he serve his suspension in the NRL or should he serve it in the international game? Because now at the moment he's going to miss three games for Tonga. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Mate, I, I saw – I think – Jared Rare Hargraves, he's got a five-week ban, does he, or a three-week or something going into this World Cup. You see that he's allowed to use one of his suspensions as a New Zealand versus Leeds game, one of their trial oh, games. Fuck. It's a fucking What? What is that? <clears throat> that is ridiculous. Like, if you, if you, okay, if you're Tonga, do you just have man, a I'm fucking random hit out? Yeah, I'm taking on the mascot Jets this yeah. weekend. Just have a random hit out and say, yeah, we're going to play. Yeah. yeah, game of fucking tag. I've always thought this. I reckon it should all be different. Like, <clears throat> for example, in Origin, if you do like, if you spear tackle someone in Origin and it's worth like four weeks in the NRL, you should cop like a one or two match Origin suspension, but it doesn't affect your club. On the other side of things, if you get suspended for the Roosters and you spear tackle someone, you should get suspended for the Roosters games, but be able to play Origin. I think it should be completely different, but they should somehow like grade it where, like if you get six weeks in an Origin game, you're not gonna get suspended for two Origin series. I don't know. It's a, it would be a complete overhaul, but I just reckon it should be different. And then states and clubs don't get punished for something they didn't even do in their game. Well, and countries as well. Mm. I'm, the thing I'm just surprised about, I could have probably copped two weeks for, for, for Town Malala International Games. Mm. Misses the first two games. You know, the first two games in, in the World Cup. Like, you know, There'll be a trial in there as well. You so know, you'll be, miss the yeah, first. You'll miss the first, really. It's three weeks that I'm like, whoa. If I'm Tonga, I'm scrambling to get a like a hundred percent warm up game. As, mm. Honestly, I'd almost play two because <laughs> a they need it anyway. They haven't played together, and b then you got your best man that literally can win you the whole thing. Good to go. 
Um, Surely there would be clubs in England begging yeah. to take trials against these sides surely, too. Surely. Even, yeah. Mate, it's, I mean, you'd have, to, you'd have to think so. Um, um, now, Milne, he's looking at six weeks. Uh, look, I think this is fair. This was like really silly, really, really silly stuff. Now, I know no one goes out there intentionally to, um, you know, injure people, but you can also do a, a new, like you can do a number of things that reduce the chances of something like that happening. Uh, yeah, I think six weeks is fair. I think six, what do you reckon, boys? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, yeah, pretty bang average from Tane, unfortunately. He's, um, yeah, he's a good player, but he has got these things in his game. I mean, you have a look at this final series. He's played three games. He's been simbin twice and sent off once. He's a fucking winger. Like, it's impressive. It's if that was, like, put it this way. If that was a one-off and, he, and for the rest of the year he was just normal winger, I could chalk it up to it's not really part of his game. just happened. Yeah. But when he... You know, being sent to the bin twice in a game, you go. He's clearly got a part of his game that is too aggressive, and well, not it's not even aggression. It's it's just it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's it's dangerous for the people that he's doing it to. So, mm. it's it's the literal definition of going down swinging. Yes, like <laughs> going out of the final swinging when your team's down by what twelve points in an elimination final. There's two blokes on him anyway. Um, he needs to learn too because he's come so far in his so career. Far. Like he, he was just—he's been a journeyman for so long. He's fallen in and out of the game, and he can play Tarno. I don't think anyone's pushing back on that. But then you get these little things that happen, and they can just be so costly. Like he's <clears> going to miss an entire World Cup now. I, I'm pretty sure that they would have considered playing him in the 13. Like he would have been key for. He was one of their best well. players when they last played. He was great, and yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It, it's you know sometimes you're your own worst enemy. And unfortunately, this situation, Milne is his own worst enemy because he has had an amazing year, so much so that he's almost like won the wing spot at the Rabbitohs. Like you would say going into next year, he would have had that spot locked down. I thought he was outstanding the back end of the year. So I think he's going to go away in his off-season, sit down, have a real think, what does this add to my game? doesn't really add anything to my game. I'm a winger. Like at no point do wingers need to jam anyone. Like, it's great when we see Suwali jam in and, and get someone. We all sit here and go, wow, how great. But does it really affect the game? No. Let your forwards take care of the rough stuff. Mm. You're there to make high-quality reads, score tries, and make metres. That's your job. Your forward's job is to make metres and intimidate the opposition. Let them do that. Let them do that. Um, As I said, like, he's come so far in his career. I just had a look through it. He's played 52 first-grade games. He debuted in 2016. Mm. He played 22 this year. So from 2016 to 2022, he played 30 games of first-grade. And now he's cemented himself in a a a red-hot side. prelim final, like a wing spot. Yeah. And then this, like, you've... I don't know. It's it's disappointing. Um, Hope he bounces back, though, because you're always happy to see a journeyman like that finally fulfil his potential. Finally go... Or when I was growing up and everyone said that I was going to be this, that, and the next thing, I'm finally that. And then, so hopefully he bounces back. Timmy, good with six weeks, not good? Yeah, mate, it's pretty ordinary, that one. So I think six weeks is fair. Mm. Um, Maddie, what do you reckon? One week? <laughs> Should have got off with a fine? <laughs> fine? Yeah, give him a fine. Give him a fine? In all seriousness, as, as a South fan, this goes to the point before, I'd be completely happy if he served his six weeks round one to six next year and he, and he was allowed to play the World Cup. Yeah. Com- would be completely fine with that. Yeah. Just see, and this is where, like, you know, obviously Tane, like, he would have got picked in the um, 
Fiji inside. But let's say it was Cody Walker that was facing this. I mean, like, can the kangaroos say, oh, we would have picked him? Yeah. That, that's when it becomes messy. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, we would have picked him, you know? And it's like, oh, yeah, sweet. Like, it's it, it's just so messy. Greater minds have got to sort it out. That, that um, Lindsay Collins, he served a one-game suspension last night from the Prime Minister's 13. <laughs> he would have he, he made it, though. He would have made but, it, but, yeah, like, yeah. please. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's but messy. if he didn't make it, would any of us have sat here and gone, hey, where's Lindsay? Yeah. You would have said he should have been in the Australian squad. He's just, yeah. If Jake Simpkin would have got suspended in the last week and got a two-week suspension and served it in the Prime Minister's 13, would we have all sat here and gone, oh, no, fair enough. Like, you can still pick sort of players yeah. from anywhere in that. Like, it's just a grey area. That's, it's so, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. so messy. I, I don't know what the answer is. Because, like, if I'm being totally honest, I don't want Tamalo to miss any games in the World Cup. And I want him to miss it next year. But you're right. Then it becomes super messy where certain players are going, well, I would have been picked, and but I'm not going to play because, like, yeah, and so I want to miss it because I want to get back to club or whatever. Um, I'm not sure what the answer is, so hopefully they can sort it out. Like you had the alt, was it? Um, Blocker Roach we were talking about the other day. Got suspended for the finals. Oh, yeah. I think it was 88 or 89. He's a master. What a genius. So he signed a contract to go to England to serve. Suspensions over there to get back in time. <laughs> that is genius. a genius move, Blocker. Blocker Roach. I don't think it worked in the end, but he still went over there and apparently just sat on the beers for four four weeks. <laughs> what a fucking... So good. That is so old school. <laughs> but, like, it's such a footy player's, like, I'm going to outthink the room here. Yeah. I want to fucking go and sign a contract, serve it. Gets back, and it, it didn't work, and they're like, ah, oh, fuck. Well, oh, well. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, that's fucking genius from Blocker. Fuck, that's great. Serve my suspension while sinking piss in the UK yeah. for five weeks. Oh, mate. What a win. Um, <clears throat> oh, imagine the amount of piss he would have said. <laughs> Mate, like, it's... I always, like, I know some people, you know, they, they don't enjoy blockers commentary or whatever, but when I see, like, old warriors like that, I almost just go, you, got, you just got to respect him. You just got to go, Mate, what he did in the era he did it, like, he has earned the right... To do so much that you know, you know what I mean. Like he's he just what he did in the era he did it, and you go back and you look at the the battles that he had in the tough, in arguably the toughest era. Like, and then we're not talking about like tough of like oh yeah he took some tough hit ups. We're talking about you get dog shotted at any time. Like, um, yeah. So I I I again I know some people like you know struggle sometimes with his commentary or whatever. I think he can be quite funny sometimes like that. Talk about an old-fashioned stiffy. <laughs> that was fucking gold from the great block. Um, the other thing about blocker, and I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of him on commentary, mm. but, mate, at least he is who he is. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, yeah. you can go and, you know, and I, you know, I've just seen him talking in other interviews, podcasts, and, and just around rugby league. Like, he's the same person whether he's on camera or off what, camera. What so I, what I like about block is, like, and I don't know him as a person, but to, your, to further your point, there's no malice yeah. in the like. He seems like a good bloke. That's just talking footy. That's his opinion. You agree with it or not? Fuck, whatever. Uh, breaking news. Not really news. We all knew it was going to happen. I'll make a post now. Uh, Raiders have re-signed Tarpany until the end of 2027. It's just become official. Mm. Speaking Does Des just move or yes. what? Speaking Jesus good old-fashioned stiffies. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Settle down over there, mate. Timmy. Hey. Oh, fucking hell. Um, anyway, shout out to Block. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Block, you fucking legend. Uh, I remember uh, when my first year at New South Wales Rugby League, we were up in Port Macquarie for an under-18s camp. 
And I came late. I was like with the staff and it was like my first time like being with all these people. I was so keen. But I came late with Blocker and Paul Sirenen. So I had to go in like a beer round with them. Oh, <laughs> holy. Didn't, didn't survive the night. Didn't even survive the, the first few hours. I'll tell you a funny story. So Block, um, they're on a podcast. I don't know who it was with. I think it was Maddie Johns, maybe Paul Kent. And they were reviewing like my match winning try against Para. I heard this, yeah. And he goes, um, Block goes, mate, what an effort by Denon, you know. He wasn't wasn't really the quickest winger, but he got there in the corner. And I'm like, speed was literally my only <laughs> fucking weapon. <laughs> like I was like, speed was it. That's what I had. <laughs> but that's what I mean with like, you know, <laughs> he's given me a rap. Like it's not, he's not doing it maliciously. He's just, he, he doesn't, he's just talking about the trial. Yeah, he was great. I got there. Um, I remember listening to that and writing a text to you and then going, oh, fuck it. He's going to hear it a million times anyway. Yeah. Oh, oh I got it sent, it got sent to me <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Like, hey, what about Block reckon you were slow? I was like, bruh, <laughs> literally, like literally one state. Um, but that's, that's, again, that's what I mean. Like there's no malice in vlog. He's, and you should, and one thing that I sometimes does frustrate me though, is like people should respect this man. Like they should respect this bloke. He's fucking been through it. He, he has every right to have his opinion on anyone in the game, anyone in the game. Cause he fucking earned it with his blood and his sweat. And that's, I, sometimes I feel like that gets lost in today's kind of, um, oh, rugby league community. We don't respect our, the, the forebearers enough that it just people just talk shit about anyone it's like you know you're fucking talking these guys are fucking warrior anyway it's just my little rant for the day boys um Corey thompson actually we'll speak about tarmane tarpane and then we'll get to Corey thompson the reports are around 850k a year um timmy what do you reckon about that price that's being reported yeah look i think he's I suppose he's worth it on what he's done this year. He's, you know, arguably the best prop in the game. He he carried the Raiders to a top eight uh, spot. I mean, I think he'd probably get around that money at numerous clubs in the NRL. My personal attitude towards, I think I've said it before, but I don't like signing front rolls on big money. Tapney has been really good for the for a number of years. This, <coughs> and particularly the back end of this season, was the only time he's had that form that you've probably gone. He's an $850,000 a year winger. Um, so... I wouldn't pay probably any prop in the game that much money. You know, maybe a, a Haas or a I mean, Lolo's playing up front at their peak, sort of that money. But I personally think it's too much. But at the same time, as we spoke about the Raiders was it last week or the week before about them struggling to attract big names and whatnot. So it does mean we've got money to spend on probably positions that other clubs wouldn't. Uh, and Joey Tapney's been the recipient of that due to an unbelievable year. I think you'll find that, you know, he, he'll it be a bit of a bolter for a sort of top three or top five in the Daly M's this year because those last 10 to 12 rounds where he was nearly our best every week, the only bloke probably stealing any Daly M points off, he might have been Hudson Young. Mm. So, um, look, <coughs> absolutely stoked as Raiders for that we've got him. Uh, maybe he's a little bit overs, but at the same time, if he can continue this form for a couple more years, you're going, well, you know, we know he can play up to that price. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think, if look, if he keeps playing the way he played this year, it's 850k is a good price. Um, I agree as well. There's there's a bit of a Canberra tax there. I, I think that, you know, a player like Tarpanair would be getting offers from probably every club. And to keep him in Canberra, you know, you're probably going to have to pay that little bit extra. Yeah. Um, you know, so 
I agree. I'll probably land him around the 700k mark. If I that that's where I would love to have him. That's where I think both parties win. But market pressure plus the fact it's ACT um, plus the fact he's just come off a year and a half of absolute. Well, especially like a year, but a year and a half I think mm. of really good footy. Um, if he can continue to play this way, then I think the 850k is well spent. And it's just the the concern is is like what if he has a quiet year next year? Can find an injury as well. And he can be injured. And not too bad though. He's been pretty good. What last year and a half? Last two years? Last two years he's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you reckon, Guru? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you've said. And you know, I, I would have him around the 650, 700k mark as mm. well. But if I'm the Canberra Raiders, and once again I've said it a few times, like if he wants 800, where am I going to spend that 100k elsewhere? That's going to be worth not having. Exactly. And, and also... If, if I'm not going to pay him 800, someone fucking yeah. will based on the last six months. And, so. and then sometimes clubs have to ask themselves, and you alluded to this, is like, what are we without him? Yeah. Because I'm like, the Raiders without Tarpanair are not a top eight side. No offence, but no. No uh, way. Yeah, yeah, not this year. And, no. and there's not two 400k front rowers you go out and buy no. that equal to what Tarpanair does. Well, who's on the market right now that could, could replace what he means to that side? Now, unless you could go out and get like a, a Mitch Moses to partner Whiten or something, which you, you can't because you're going to have to pay a million for Moses. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's a really good deal for Tarpanir. I think it's a, a good deal for Raiders as long as, you know, he keeps playing like this. Um, I think that if he goes back and he plays solidly, then it's probably a solid deal for Canberra because eventually he'll come back around. Um, you know, so yeah, great deal. I think... You know, if you take the money out and you just that the fact that they re-signed him and they got it done without a, a massive hoopla and all that kind of stuff, we have to remember, guys, this is a guy that, you know, it wasn't seeing eye to eye with a coach only mm. two, you know, a year and a half or so ago. Now all of a sudden he's signing what three-year deals? Off. Oh, well, sign like what a five-year deal. Um, that's incredible for the club. Yeah, incredible for the club. So massive congratulations. Um, I think also you probably Papali'i will free up the cap in two or three years. I think Papali'i will probably move on. Um, not that not that you know he wasn't incredible in the final series at all. But what's he thirty two now? Mm. Man, and he has fuck one of the greatest Raiders of all time. Boom, said it. There it is on the table. You can say what you want, do what you want. Don't care. The, do- the Dolphins will sign him in two years for one point two mil. I reckon. <laughs> yep, biggest signing too. Great Papa, the big fella. I'd love to see him over in the Super League just fucking charging up the middle. <laughs> just get your cash, big papa. You've earned it. He, like, he has been so good for so long now. And he had his own, you know, things that he went through when he was a bit younger. Yep. Uh, I think he's the perfect guy for Tarpanair to, to learn off as well. So, great well, stuff for Raiders. Well, they've, they've both followed, you can talk about them all, but a pretty similar career path. They both started on the edge, moved into the front mm. row and became the alphas at Canberra. Both had shit haircuts too. Which is a good thing. <laughs> Um, the the five year deal is an interesting one for that much. It's I I think the tap was it five or four? I think it's four because four is it? Ne- okay. uh, it's five if you include twenty three. But I think it was because he's already on contract twenty three. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, so it's so it's four, a four year so deal. Four year deal, yeah. and so eight fifty would start basically when 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 does Papaliti come off contract? That's interesting. He's um, got to finish his career there, doesn't he? Surely. He's, he's got it. He's one of the greatest Raiders of all time. You, you would think so. The own, it won't happen now because of who they've signed, the Dolphins, but I just thought that potentially that bit of a Bennett-Papa connection from Origin, <coughs> uh, 
Papa, big family man, grew up around, I think he's a Brisbane Logan? boy. Logan, 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 Logan so up around yeah. there. I thought Redcliffe would have – I saw him going there as a marquee player, mm-hmm. but with the signs they've had, it won't happen. So hopefully that allows him to finish his career. Like, he, he's been at the Raiders – I remember when he signed as like about a 16-year-old, 16, 17, through how Matt's SG ball. He's been in that club for, what, 15 years. Yeah, it's incredible. This is interesting. He's signed 22, this uh, Papali, 22, 23, 24, and then 25's a mutual option. Interesting. Jeez. So I reckon, I reckon what the Raiders have done is that, so 20, he signed 24? 24 locked in 100% and then 25's a mutual option. So I reckon what they've done is, is that first year... I reckon Tarpanier would be on a bit less. And then that fifth, that, that 25 year is when his contract will go up to the 850 mark. Mm. I highly doubt he's on like 850 bang off the, off the bat. Uh, and so I think, I think the Raiders have timed it really well. Um, and I think they've probably had discussions with Papali'i as well. Like, you know, how, long, how much longer do you have left in you? He's probably said, mate, I've probably got, you know, two years or whatever, uh, two, three years. So, mate, front row, Papali'i, Tarpanier. Not much better in the comp right now. Um, you know, they're, they're an elite, you know, top tier. You know, obviously, there's as good for sure, but uh, so great stuff. Now, Corey Thompson retires. He's like the best origin, well, not the best origin player there never was, but I would have loved to see him in a Queensland jersey once. That year where he did get selected, then he got injured or whatever, or he was going to get selected. I, I, he has just never been appreciated for how good he was, in my opinion. I think reliability is the most underappreciated thing in rugby league. Mm. And this guy's been so reliable for so long. I mean, remember, what, was it 2014 he played against you guys, Matty, in that grand <coughs> final? Yeah. He was on the wing for Canterbury in 2014. Mm. Like, and then he just disappeared off the face of the earth, went to England for a couple of years. And, you know, it would have been safe to assume we'd never see Corey Thompson again. Then he came back and, you know, he obviously played at the Tigers and the Titans, pretty tough gigs at all those clubs. But he was always the biggest goer in those sides. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I, know, I know there's guys that are bigger, faster, stronger, but he just never let you down. The thing that, that this is why I think Corey Thompson never got the appreciation he does. I'm telling you right now, if he was six foot doing the same stats as he did the, the, at the size he is now, he would be praised way more. It's because he's a little fella and he's always going to get, you know, I guess pigeonholed as that little fella. But if you just like, if you just looked at his stats, and you compared them to all other wingers and you didn't know what they looked like, how tall they were, you know, all that kind of stuff, how much they weighed, you would not think that that guy is a little, you know, nippy winger. I mean, you have a look through, like, especially if you take out the Canterbury two years where they were pretty good, he played at the Tigers and the Titans, so at every point he was there, we're going like a busted, essentially. Mm. Scoring a try every three games still. Yeah, yeah. Massive career. Congratulations. And and what I love about Corey Thompson is, is he's, he's one of the guys that could have got, you know, just thrown spat out by rugby league and but what do you end up playing 150 games 120 yeah 120 odd yep like that's a fair effort for oh, a mate. little fella like that on the wing in today's game uh so 122 nrl games plus 49 super leagues that's fuck that's such a good effort because so, the amount of times he would have been knocked back for being a little fella on the wing in today's game like <laughs> The size of the wingers today are so big. Like, for example, I bet everyone thinks Alex Johnson is a small winger. Yeah? Mm. He's over six foot. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a small winger. It's So, incredible. Congratulations, Corey Thompson. Amazing career. And I thought 2020, 
I thought that he was going to get play Origin. I really did. I thought he was there, and then he got injured. So that sucks. But uh, outside of that, 120 odd game. Well done, Corey. Yeah, you have a look at his last six seasons. He's averaged more than 100 run meters. <laughs> Every one of those years. Yeah. Right. Again, he's, if you just took away, like you'd be like, that's fucking. And also, he's probably got tackle breaks. Are probably good, pretty good average as well. Um, now on to transfer whispers. Uh, we've already spoken about tarping it. Famanu Brown set to be offered to a uh, offered a Bulldogs contract. Uh, look, I like this. I thought Brown offered quite a lot when he got back to the Tigers. Really surprised that the Tigers, after letting go Madden and Little, have decided not to so, um, sign Brown because I thought he'd be a good fourteen for them with Coruscant coming to the club. Uh, I think this is good. Thoughts, boys? Yeah, I like it. I think New Brown, uh, to be honest with you, he's another one when he left. I probably didn't think we'd see him again. I didn't think he'd return. Um, he came back. And Got an incredible story too. Unbelievable story. Yeah, yeah it's unreal. Uh, but he came back and he was playing. He came back for the Bears originally. He played a couple of weeks there. And I watched him play a few and he looked pretty good. Then the Tigers signed him and I thought he was really impressive with the Tigers. Mm. Just to jump in, the Tigers are trying to re-sign him. But, oh, okay. But the Bulldogs Apologies. offer is going to be higher, apparently, oh. according to this article. Okay. Apologies. Apologies. I, I think he'd be a good, cheap get for any team in this competition. Mm. Worth having to jump in at 7-6. I think I think he played a couple of games at the Tigers this year at 13, at the back end too. Yeah, the back end, I think he did. Yep. Did I think he suited nine, in, nine better. Yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I think he's a nine, but um, yeah. Those sort of guys, they're very valuable to have in your side. And, you know, we've obviously seen he seems to be a very good fellow as well, well to have like, in your club. You look at a, a team like the Parry Eels, they're dying for a specialist 14. Yep. Like they would, like them with a specialist 14, you go on, holy heckers. Uh, what do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, it'd be a really solid, it'd be a depth signing, realistically, because uh, Reid Marnie's an 80 minute hooker. Fuck, hasn't he? But like the doggies must be watching going, oh, mm. we got a fucking grand final yeah. hooker. So he like if they do if he does end up at the doggies, I think realistically he'd he'd probably be a bench utility at best, and that's no knock on him. It's just that Marnie's an out and out eighty minute hooker. Um, be fantastic for the depth of the club. If anything did happen to Marnie, he'd slot in and, and do a really solid job. So yeah, don't mind it at all. Um, and again, just to be clear, guys, these are transfer whispers. So this is just all you know. What's in the rumor mill? What's you know what may or may not be happening? This is not confirmed at all. Uh, now, reportedly, Hunt and Dragons are around 100000 apart from getting a deal done. Uh, if that is true, then you basically lock in Hunts and Dragons. If it's 100 k I highly doubt he's going to leave that club over 100 k It's interesting, too, because I wonder who put that report out there. Like, as in, was it the Dragons to put pressure on people going, mate, it's just 100 k you've had to be on a mill the last few years, uh, you know, or is it, you know... Ben Hunt's management to let everyone know he's not being super greedy. It would be really interesting to see who th threw that out there. What do you reckon, Guru? There's a motive from whoever's done it. 100%. Because it's very side. specific. Weirdly specific, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if it is true, 100K, I think the Dragons. Chuck him 150. Mm. He's worth it. Right. Where, what are you with? Again, it's like the Tarpany question. What are you without him? Yeah, you were, I think he's just had his career best year. 10th was it for the dragons yeah he's asking and he, this is just reportedly but he's he's asking about 800 850 so it's not like he's asking for 1.2 yeah and then the vast majority of the rest of your spine is young guys who need a leader like him so he's you know you'll he, his career will finish in three years but you'll still be paying dividends from it in five realistically. yeah i i think and i said at the time these are one of those times where you've got to throw the rule book out throw the management system out throw out all the business-minded you know, we're a business and we're going to fucking get the best deal possible and go, this bloke's come to us and said around 800K, let's meet him, boom, right there. 
We appreciate the fact that you've dropped about 400,000. That's around your value. Let's do it. Uh, what do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah. If he left the Dragons as a result of 100K, and not saying that's going to happen, it would be the biggest debacle in <laughs> St. George history because as they're nothing without him. He's, like, he's just the one of the very few bits of star power in that side. So if they, particularly if you're right and he's asking 850 or something, that's a steal for Ben Hunt. That's, mate, and that, again, that was like... I'm pretty sure, like not necessarily confirmed, but the journo saying it was like basically saying they'd spoken to his manager. So it wasn't like, well, put it this way, like that doesn't just come from nowhere, that he's asking for 850. Like what does a journo gain from making that up? Like the journo actually would be better off saying he's asking for 1.5. If he's going to make something up, make the 1.5 million up because that's the story that gets the click, not the... You know, I want the 800, 850K. And I mean, I think in eight weeks' time, Ben Hunt's going to guarantee himself as the best hooker in the world. Oh, so <laughs> I think he's already done it. Yeah, I think he already is, but yeah. I think in nine weeks' time, he's going to lock it in. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, 800K, Ben Hunt could be asking for more after yeah. that. So, Yeah, it's uh, hopefully the cookie crumbles in the right way because, <laughs> mate, if they lose Hunt, it is like the bad press that is going to generate. <sighs> Holy heckers. If you are the Dolphins, for example, mm. reading this, and it's 100K, if it was 800K, like what? How much would you throw at Ben Hunt today to blow the Dragons out? To, try and in, to get him? And like basically saying we're not going to buy Munster now? <coughs> I guess it depends what's I mean, I'd, I'd definitely offer him 800K. That's fucking for sure. Like, for sure. Jesus. Yeah. If I was the Broncos, I'd be offering him that. Would, um, would you offer him a million? Well, I guess the the, the the more question is, is like, then we can't offer Munster 1.5 yeah. or whatever. But look, if I was getting indications that Munster wasn't going to resign, I'd be throwing a million at a hunt fucking any day of the week. I'd be throwing 1.2 at him if I was a Dolphin. Surely if the Dolphins aren't throwing crazy, <coughs> ridiculous money at Ben Hunt, that's got to be a good indication that they think they're a good sniff at Munster here. I think the deal with Munster mm. is done. Done, yeah. I reckon it's done. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, no, I like it. Oh, I, I'm with you, Campy. I'd be happy to throw one, one point two at uh, Hunt from a Dolphins perspective in particular. Um, but it's a good shout. Like they, you're just waiting for this marquee signing the Dolphins. Like Wayne's going to get someone. It, it, it has to be him, doesn't it? Uh, and if yeah, if Hunt does go sign on with the Drakes, there's not even really been chat around him to the Dolphins, has there? No. So it's got to be Munster, doesn't it? Got to be Munster. <coughs> um, I just uh, – he already would have signed with the Storm. He's been offered, like, uh, you know, reportedly around the 900 mark. Mm. It's like, you know, unless he's getting 1.43, why would you go anywhere else? Fuck, it's going to be interesting next year. Like, if, if we don't have – like, do, do you think there's a world where we get to round one next year and we don't know where Cam Munster's going to no, be? No, they've said it's going to be, they're going to give an answer in about a week. Ooh. Early next week, they reckon. So that'll be a fucking bombshell. Ooh, can't wait. Um, we'll run out of content. We won't be able to talk about Munster each week. <laughs> um, Roos is reportedly about to sign Jake Turpin. I think this is a great signing. Uh, look, I know Turpin, he came on, started really well. Um, I don't want to attack. You know, he, he has. He, he's not as flary as some other, you know, nines. But defensively, I think he's a great, a great nine, a really, really good nine defensively. I think the Roosters will get a best out of him. I like it. What do you think? Yeah, I like it too. And uh, I don't know, it might be an unpopular opinion, but I personally think that Cheese is probably better as a middle forward at the moment. I think eventually he'll be a better nine, but 
I think the Roosters would be smart to have another nine in their building that they can use if need be, if they need genuine to use choose. Genuine nine. Yeah. Because they're... Even I mean, though I think, I think Cheese is a genuine nine, but I know what you mean. I'm yeah. But, I mean, yeah, he might be a genuine nine, but he is one of the best middle forwards in rugby league as well. And I think there's been times this year where the Roosters, when, you know, Radley gets suspended or injured, where, fuck, it would be handy to chuck him in there. Especially mm. with Taki Aho leaving. Mm. We don't know what's going on with Lodge yet. Like, if they don't re-sign Lodge... I, just, I, I think Lodge will stay. I, I think he will too, but if he doesn't for whatever reason... Yeah. Like... Cheese it as a, as a middle forward becomes appealing to me. I know he wants to play nine, obviously, and I'm confident he will. Uh, but I think it is worth their while having another nine in the building. Mm. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, I like Jake Turpin. I think he's a very good footballer, and yeah. I was surprised he didn't start more games for Brisbane this year. I, I was just really surprised. It, it annoyed me a fair bit, just the choppy and change in between him, Walters, Parks. There's just no continuity, no consistency around that vital, vital position. Uh, and for the Roosters, as Guru said, I think I like Brendan Smith coming in as a hooker, but with the speed and intensity he plays the game at, maybe he's not an 80-minute hooker, maybe not yet anyway, a big pre-season, maybe a lot of fitness under his belt, shed a couple of kegs, he could be an 80-minute hooker, but to have Turpin and at least earlier in the <coughs> season deputising, maybe playing 20 or 30 off the bench, at very least as a backup hooker, He's a damn good backup hooker to have at the club that you know can come in and play 80 minutes and do a job for you. So I can't imagine to be on a heap of money. And, yeah, I think it'd be a great signing. And we, I think we still haven't seen the best of Turpin. Mm. Like, a lot of people look at it and go, you know, was he setting the world alight at the Broncos last year? No, but, like, he's still, what, 24, 25? Like, he's got plenty of years left to get to, to find his potential. And to be fair, like, there's quite a few players that have left the Broncos, like, Brody, Brody Croft went to the Super League, won a man of steel. Tom Dearden went to the Cowboys, been incredible. Uh, Sam Walker, obviously. Reese Walsh, like, you know, so who who, not, who says he can't turn into an 80-minute NRL hooker? It's it's really possible. I will say, I think Sam Verrills is going to be missed massively at the Roosters. I think that, you know, he's a grand final winning, uh, grand final winning hooker. Um, so, Jake, Ver yeah, Turbin's good. Now, Dogs have signed off on a 12-week training trial worth... A uh, thousand a week. Uh, I'm not sure who that is. It just uh, Josh Reynolds. Um, I get. I think it's more just his energy that they're going to get him. I, I really think he's being like. And this is no disrespect to the great grub. This is no disrespect to the great grub. I love the grub, but um, I think this is more of a just that guy around the training paddock because he he is the best. You know, by all reports, the best trainer. And so I think he's almost being brought in as a like a. A windrunner, one of those, you know, those paces they sit out the front to get the boys going <laughs> in the marathons and that. And I love it. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's good. Like, he hasn't a week, he gives a fuck. It, I, I reckon you could be paying him the same contract in 10 years' time and he'd still be worth just having at Canterbury. Um, yep. Yeah, he's like he's obviously a guy, you know, he's not <coughs> like your, your Turvies and these sort of guys that won heaps of premierships there, but he's, he's Bulldogs through and through. Mm. Like, I don't know about you guys, but watching him play for the Tigers, I felt uncomfortable watching it. Very strange. It was just... Yeah, such a weird little situation. So I love them bringing him back there. Um, and as much as he is older and everything, I think if I'm if I'm a ball player or a 14 there, I'm nervous having Josh Reynolds there. Mm. He's going to fight every week to get yeah, it. He'll yeah, he'll fight for every inch with me. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's well worth having him there. You mean? Yeah, it'd be awesome to see him back at that club. Hope he does turn into something. I said, whether it, you know, just being involved in that club so many, bleeds blue and white. We all remember that infamous farewell from Belmore Oval. The crowd lifted him off and it was just, there's so much passion there. 
him being around that club can only do good things for them <coughs> on and off the field. Uh, in a perfect world, he kills it, gets a top 30 spot, and we see him play a few games next season. Uh, but if not, just being around the training paddock, I think it would be wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, we've spoken about it uh, you know, with Todd Payton a bit, but as a coach, you need guys that are basically, not your spies, because like, you're not spying anyone, but you need like key members in the squad that are your men. They are 100% your men. Because if you don't, and the players start to think a certain way, that's how you lose playing groups. Whereas if you plant, you know, maybe a guy on the outside, like a senior player on the outside back that's 100% my man, a, a half that's 100% my man, a forward that's 100% my man, then you can get a feel for how the squad's feeling. You can, you can you know, push your messages on. It's like, it's, I think it's a big reason why um, Townsend was purchased by the Cowboys because he's a coach's player. He's, a, he's not a player that's going to, you know, do his own thing. He's going to do what the coach tells him and he's going to do it to a T. And, and I think it's worked wonders for the Cowboys. And that, that's what I think also, um, you know, Reynolds is going to be for that squad as well. He's going to be a coach's man. You know, exactly what the coach says, he's going to relay it to the boys. And you already know that Josh Reynolds, he's never going to do anything that isn't the absolute best for the club. Mm. Yep. <coughs> yep. Okay. Now, team of the week. I am I'm refusing. This is the first split position I've ever <laughs> given because I'm refusing. I'm not going to back down on this one, boys. I don't care if the rules were the rules all year. I've got both Edwards and Gutherson at my fullback position. <laughs> Can't split them. Can't split them. To'o on the wing, Holmes. I've got Graham in the centres playing with a broken rib. Holy heckers. Sivo on one edge. Um, I thought Brown, although what didn't set the world alight, I think that Lane doesn't have the game he has without Brown feeding him the good ball. Cleary, uh, front row. I had uh, Leota at eight. I had Marnie at nine. Regan Campbell-Gillard at 10. I had Lane at 11. Kikau at 12. Damalolo at 13. Balo at 14, Cotter at 15, 16 I had Murray, and 17 I had Edwards and Gutherson again. <laughs> Busy week for the boys. The boys, that's how good they play, baby. They could, they could do that too, both of them, back it up. Guru, what'd you have? Yeah, my team's uh, pretty similar, no shocks there. I had Gutho at fullback. Um, as you said, him and Edwards were so close, I just thought, and we'll talk about it more, but Gutho, I reckon he saved 18 points the other night. Easy. He, he was all over try the place. Tri-savers, grubbers, fucking whatever you want. Crazy. Uh, Sivo on the wing, Brian To'o on the other wing, Graham and Holmes are my centres. Dill Brown at six, Cleary at seven. I had <coughs> Campbell Gillard up front with James Fisher-Harris. And then I had Abby Curacao as my nine. I thought he was tremendous for Penrith. Um, Sean Lane and Isaiah Papali'i in the back row. I had Madison in the 13. Then on my bench, I had Edwards, Murray, Cotter and Junior Bolo. Yep. Well... Anyone else stand out for you, uh, Timmy? As in, like, you got any people that you thought played well that we didn't mention? Love your work, boys. I think you've uh, got it covered there. Fucking oath, bro. Fucking <laughs> oath. Now, let's get to it, baby. The best part of the show. Cowboys versus the Eels. Let's talk about the biggest talking point. Let's talk about that pass. Let's talk about get out of the way. Was it forward? Yes, 100%. What is this, as forward as some people think? No. When you go back and look at the tape, it's probably half a metre forward. Because initially, it looked about seven metres forward. Um, interestingly, I think it was last week, apologies if we didn't say it on the show, but we definitely said it off the show, that Dylan Brown passed that was called forward when it wasn't. 
I'm pretty sure we said on the show, calls like this are going to happen in a fucking big game and they're going to change the course of a game. In saying all of that, it was the wrong call, no doubt. The Cowboys still put themselves in the position to win that game. And honestly, I know people aren't going to agree with this. They're not going to like it. But I also thought that the try that they scored where Mitchell Moses was being held by the player and he, got, and he fell over because he was trying to pull away from the player, I thought that that, uh, that should have been a penalty. I don't think he should be allowed to hold players um, as they're trying to get back and then they score on his edge. Because if he gets back to where he's supposed to get, that changes all the numbers on that side. Mm-hmm. Now, would they still have scored? Maybe. So was it as egregious as a forward pass? No way. No way. That, that was a 50-50 call. So I, I granted <laughs> that. But I, I'm gonna, what I'm saying is, is that it, it, it wasn't just like the Eels were the only ones that got – like that was a howler of a call. It was 100% wrong. But in a 50-50 world where the 50-50 lands and the Eels on that line – I think Moses probably gets that penalty. On top of all of that, the Cowboys, with what, 15 to go, were 12 ahead? Up by eight with 20 to go. Yeah, Up by eight with 20 to go. So 100% the wrong call. I 100% understand Cowboys fans being filthy as anything. I, I get it. I, you're going to be pissed off. And, you know, arguably anything we say after this, it's just going to piss you off because you're going to feel that that try was a separation. I fully empathise with that. But the Cowboys had the chance to win the game, and I thought Todd Payton summed it up perfectly. He didn't blame the, the forward pass. He thought they should have won the game. They had it in, you know, they had the game to be there to one to be won. Um, you know, I thought this was a real gutsy performance by both sides. And I think, you know, if Cowboys play the Rabbitohs, I think the Cowboys go through. I just think they came up against an ill side that I think I said it last week, but. I just felt like this final series, this was their moment. This was the moment, and they've nailed it. What do you think about the game, Guru? Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said about the forward pass. It was forward, but, geez, when I saw it live, I thought it was... So bad. I thought it was five or six metres forward. Oh, my uh, God. Then when it got replayed, you know, it was forward, no denying that, but mm. it wasn't as forward as I thought it was live. I think most people would agree. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think there was calls both ways that were unlucky or lucky, however you want to look at it, unfortunately. That's rugby league. It's always going to happen in big games. I You mentioned Todd Payton. I love this bloke. Yeah, legend. For him to come out of that, how disappointing he would have been and just cop it on the chin like that. Yeah. Just sensei. I absolutely love that. And it's, you know, it's a good look for rugby league, but it's also, it sets the standard for his team. Mm. We don't point fingers. Like, that's who the Cowboys have been this year. And I, I thought he set a great precedent for yep. his footage. And, and he's literally said, we had plenty of time to win that game. Yeah. We don't go back and go, oh, fuck, 10-minute mark, we didn't get that. What a uh, testament to, like, his character. Yeah. Like, that sums him up so well. Mm. If mm. that was Ricky Stewart, there would have been wheat gutter <laughs> dogs all over the place. The, the ball boy, the scorer, <laughs> every one of them. I love you, Ricky. <laughs> and we would have really, loved him for it. Yeah, he's, yeah, I would absolutely love him for it as a Raiders fan. He's not going to be able to shed that one for a while. Uh, but it, it was phenomenal for him to come. And if he did blow up, there wouldn't be many people sitting there, like, being like, oh, you know, he's up, mate, just... What a legend. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you had a blown up and going, look, I get it, man. Like, there is so much riding on this more than just winning a game. Like, this is life-changing shit. You make a grand final, hmm. that's life-changing. That, you know, I know winning it is the be-all and end-all, but being in a grand final is still a place to hang your hat. Now, I know most NRL players wouldn't hang their hat there, but I tell you what, it's a lot better than, oh, yeah, we made a prelim. Like, everyone goes, okay, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, we made a grand final. We go, like, you know, people talk about 2009 Eels grand final still, you know. Um, so 
They talk about 2014 Doggies Grand Final still. 2012 Doggies. Put it this way. Not many people know that South have made eight of the last 11 prelims. Exactly. Great mm. point. Great point, Matty. Except for super fans like yourself. Mm. <laughs> um, and anyone around, Matty. Yeah, anyone around him. Uh, so, 100% wrong call. But I think so much respect to Peyton. Also to the players as well, the Cowboys players. They didn't let it, um, I guess... Uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't hear anything negative after the game about it. Uh, I will say, uh, Tamalolo before he was uh, sent to the bin, he was f- like an absolute animal. He bumped Papali'i twice. No, it wasn't a winger. wasn't a halfback. It wasn't a little hooker. He bumped Papali'i on his back. So Papali'i was doing these ones, falling on his back. That you've never seen that before. Twice, not just once where he, he got him off guard. Twice. Oh, mate. I can't believe how good he was, Tamalolo. Um, outside of that, uh, there were like huge players on both sides. I thought there was a huge play from Hiku uh, to regain the dropout uh, that could have been a match winner. It actually got them back into like they. Um, so the, the Eels have got a repeat set. I think the Eels were ahead. The game's on the line. They do a short dropout. Hiku grabs it. Um, yeah, so look, amazing performance. We'll talk about Cowboys before we get to the Eels. Um, with the Cowboys, look, I think, I think we spoke about this before the final series started, and we and we said, does Cowboys have just that extra little bit of magic that some of the big dog clubs mm. have? And I think that on the weekend we saw that they've got it, but I think they just need another year to fully realise it. You know, that, for example, Scotty Drinkwater with another year. Valentine Holmes with another year at centre. Um, Nanai on the edge with, it, with another year. So, like, if they just had, put it this way, if, and this is, I know people don't like this, but if you had 12 months more experience with that team together, I think they win that match. I think they win that match. I'll tell you what, I think they win that match if you take Gutho from 12 months ago. Mm. Put him in that side. Like you talk about, like Scott Drinkwater had that that play where he beat Mitch Moses all ends up, went straight through. Gutho came up with a huge save there. Gutho made the tackle on Tolungi in the first minute. He then, what about that, that one? I think it was Chad Townsend kicked into the in goals and Gutho caught it at full pace. Like tips almost of behind his, fingers. his feet. Like Crazy. Incredible. Like there was, I, uh, I said it before in Team of the Week, I honestly think Gutho saved 18 points in that game. He was amazing. He was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's where I think like with another twelve months the the Cowboys side together would have found a way to get around that, you know. I just think because when you when you really look at it, so you've got a new six like Dearden's been there for half a year. So you've got to say new six, new seven, drink water was a six last year, so new mm-hmm. one. So their whole spine is essentially new. Um even even Tamalolo, like I think he plays more as a front rower sometimes now. I know he's got a bit of a ball playing now, but Cotter comes on and plays that ball playing sometimes. So like the, there were there were a few times where they had the Eels under the pump, had the Eels on their line, and I think that in 12 months' time playing together, they would have got a bit of points and they would have put the game away maybe a little bit quicker. Because didn't they what, – what points did they go in at halftime? It was like 12-6? It's 12-all. 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 And I, I think I wrote in my notes – the Eels will be stoked with 12-all because the Cowboys dominated that first half, absolutely dominated that first half. Matter of fact, I think the completion rate was – did you put it in here? 
Oh, I had it in my notes, but I just wondering if you put it in my. Um, oh man, where is it? Okay, yeah. So Eels, they had seven errors in the first half. They only completed at fifty six percent, whereas the Cowboys completed at eighty eight percent. And so they put themselves in a position to win the game. It was just that extra fucking bit of oomph that they couldn't get across the line. And that's why I believe, like, think about how exciting that is for the Cowboys. That they didn't just, like, go up and, you know, get pounded by an eel side and, oh, yeah, we got a bit lucky because we played Sharks in the first round and that pushed it through. <clears throat> they went up, dominated the game from the outset, 88% completion. Um, and it took a second half where I think the Eels completed at, like, 90% or something to get them back in the game. I think going into next year, Cowboys should be fucking confident. Should be real confident. Yeah, for sure. I, I, just to point out how far the Cowboys have come. So last year in defence, on average, they conceded 31 points per game. This year it was 15. Whoa. They cut it in half. Now, I'm sure one thing that will be a big focus for them in the offseason, especially for Todd Payton, the two finals games, on average, they, they considered 27 points per game. So yeah. they pushed themselves back up into that category from last year. Obviously, finals footy is harder and whatnot, but the Cowboys, I think they'd see themselves in the premiership business. So you've got to keep that same. Mm. Um, numbers from the regular season into the finals. I, th I think it's just been a tremendous season for them. I know they're, they're disappointed now, but like, I remember sitting here in the preseason with you thinking, if they finish 13th, that's a good effort. Finish third. Mate, I, I, I honestly, I thought around like 10th, 11th or 12th was a good effort. They have proved everyone wrong. I don't care. There is not a single person outside of a diehard fan who, you know, if your bias is so strong that, you know, you can't really measure that, that hard, what your prediction was. There's not a single fan that would have predicted that, that they did what they did this year to get to a prelim final and they were four points within a win. And also, they had the eel shot in that last five minutes. What do you reckon about the Cowboys game, Timmy? Mm. It was one of the big questions going in was how Parramatta in particular were going to handle the heat. And I think we saw that, that local knowledge and probably a smarter game plan from the Cowboys because heat-wise, it was a toasty night, but you know, they're professional athletes. They have a full season behind them. They're rock-hard fit. They were okay. And they did hold together in the back end of that game when they just relentlessly defended that line. A lot of that was on hard loan. But we saw with the humidity, just very quite dewy conditions mm. and just a wet ball. And in the first half, we saw the cows just trying to knock the, knock the door down through the middle. And they were playing quite sensible, simple footy. Whereas Para, being a side who, yeah, they like to knock the door down as well through the guts. They like to shift the ball and they do it really well. And it, I think it led to that 56% completion. Now, I think from the second half, they sort of reined that in a little bit and said, you know what, we can't shift it as easy as we think. Let's just play a little bit smarter. And I think by the end of the game, the completion was late 70%, like 76% or 78% or so. Um, so game plan-wise, I think the Cowboys got right early on. And it was – the Cowboys' middles were so, so good. We spoke leading into it about oh. maybe Parramatta, get the ascendancy through the middle. Their line speed. Win the game. It was incredible. Mm. It was just a couple of lazy middle defensive efforts uh, for tries, particularly RCG's second try. Was it Lolo and McLean? A couple of just little yeah. poor moments that were very uncharacteristic of the Cowboys that essentially probably cost them the game. I, well, I think, like, you know, with Tamalolo, that's the price you have to pay. Like, you, you can't be as explosive and mm. dominant as him going forward, but then not have that one or two times where he's too gassed to make the call. Um, but you're right though that and I, like McLean probably could have been a bit better there as well. They're just big bodies. I, I, 
I don't know whether that was – look, you got to make your tackles for sure. Mm. But I also think Reed Marnie did such a fucking smart job. Like they were just going bang, 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 yeah. just getting him on the back foot. They had no line speed. So even if they did make contact on RCG, he's probably going over anyway. But I, you're right. It was – you've got to make it – this is prelim kind of footy. Wasn't that RCG one a weird one? Like you saw Drinkwater in the background. He almost turned around to say like – Obstruction. Yeah. It must have been something wrong. And with RCG that. was so like, "That's a try. Yeah. That's a try <laughs> to the ref." And it's like, "Bruh." It almost just looked too easy to <clears throat> be a try. Yep. Um, we'll get to the eels, but I just fuck. I want to praise RCG. Anyway, we'll get to the eels. Um, but yeah, I want to praise the the uh, the Cowboys' defense. Like they suffocated the eels in the first half. They dominated them. They bashed them through the middle, and they couldn't get anywhere out of their own end. Um, so so the first half. At 12 all, that's where I think, you know, it's again, this is hindsight. We're reviewing the game, obviously, it's hindsight, but that's where the game was lost, I think, for the, the Cowboys. They probably should have gone into half time at least 12 6, if not 12 0, um, because that first half, I think, probably took it out of them a bit. Because, I, like, even after the game, you could make the argument that it was the Eels that were fitter in air quotation mm-hmm. mark because they're the ones that came in the second half and, you know, did what they needed to do. Um, but mate, what an incredible performance um, by the Cowboys! They uh, they deserve all the praise they get, and what an exciting time for the Eels up there. Um, I thought I thought Holmes had some really good moments. Um, you know, he ran for 148 meters, six tackle breaks. Um, Dearden was strong in defence. Uh, outside of that, Ruben Cotter, have a listen to this. Fuck, a try. 150 metres, 53 post contact, seven tackle breaks, a line break, 45 tackles, zero missed. <laughs> Is he an automatic in the Kangaroos now? Has to be. Has, has to be. And, and honestly, I'd have him on my side even if all of our big boys weren't playing for their you know heritage. He is amazing. As we head into this World Cup and there are a, a lot of front rowers playing for other nations, is he a starting front rower for the Kangaroos? Mm, so you've got what, RCG... We're so light on the front row. We're very light. Because we've got all our big boys are. House is gone. Yep. Um, I, the, the only reason why I'd like to probably bring him off the bench is just, just because I want to, I want that impact. I want that speed around the ruck when yep. the big boys are done. But like right now, he probably is a starter. Depends how big your 13 is. So who's going to well, so that's just so Yo, yo 13, yeah. Murray on big. an edge. If you, if you go quite a starting. <coughs> pretty small. Possibly it might leave. It's just a little bit light on mm. uh, in the middle, particularly up against the Kelly Smiles and Tongers. You mm. might want that little bit extra size the first 20. So I think Cotter coming on after 20. Yeah, I, I want like that it. speed around the ruck. Like, I think that he'll be so damaging. Um, and I just, I don't know, I, that first 20... I really like that size in the middle. Mm. Really like that size. I'm just trying to think. Just Pat Carrigan, is he going to be a starting front row? Um, what about Tino? Yeah, Tino. Tino. Yeah. My um, starting so at the moment, course. unless you mention someone else. Or Lindsay Collins, is he ready to go? Um, so I'd, I'd start. Um, if Lindsay's ready to go, I'd probably go Lindsay um, RCG to start. Actually... No, I take that back. I go Lindsay off the bench, Tino to start because Tino has played bigger minutes. Yeah, I think Tino that. and RCG up front. That's probably what I go. Um, so Lindsay's uh, got suspended against Melbourne. There's been two Roosters games since, and you're saying one was one against was the. So yeah, he's going to miss a warm game because he got four weeks. So yeah, he's yeah, ready so he'll to be go. Big Papa. He's playing some. He's some. Some. Roger that. 
Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you even follow the Raiders, bro? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on with allegiances, man. <laughs> I don't know where, that, where it ends and begins again. Yeah. Um, I want to give a shout out to the great Peter Hiku. I, I think, you know, I think he's been lost in the noise here a bit with the Cowboys. Like, put it this way. At the start of the year, if, if you had said to me, Remember how we were having this conversation in the great Gurino where we were like, oh, how do you squeeze Hamiso, all these mm. boys into this back line? Like, Hiku was maybe my first guy that I would go, fuck, sorry, I'm going to have to put you to the bench maybe. Yeah. Whereas, like, you got Holmes that has done all the big plays and played outstanding and, you know, been one of the centres of the year. But I think Hiku's been outstanding. I think this is the best year of Hiku's career. And I also think that, like, I don't think Peyton would trade him for anyone. I really don't. And, it, and, and that's a mixture of Peyton's loyalty, but the amount of efforts, he had 21 runs on the weekend again. That's the most of any, to any player on that side. The week before, he ran for like fucking 280 metres or something. Uh, he, he broke 300, I'm pretty sure. Oh, 300 yeah, metres. It's crazy. I'm still unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he ran for 300 metres and like we're just not hearing about Hiku – as much and understandably I know Holmes has had these big plays um, and, and the reason why he was in my team of the week over Hiku last week was because of the drop goal like if he didn't get that drop goal obviously Hiku would have been there and so I just want to give a bit of love to the great Peter Hiku I think he's been outstanding uh, he's clearly going to be a part of the New Zealand squad and I think he's been a real unsung hero for the Cowboys this year could you check please what his average meters are for the year um, it was 314 metres wow. in a fucking finals game at Shark Park. And that's a heavy track too. Heavy track. Um, so all love to Peter Iku, baby. All love. What do you reckon his average running metres are? 150. Yeah, 157. Fuck, that's good for a centre. That's, that's unreal so for a good for a centre. I wonder what the best average is for a centre. Be, be Talakai. Be Talakai, yeah. What, he'd, can you he'd check, be close to 200. Could you check his, please? He'd be about 100 and – let me guess, 100 and – I'm going to say 175. I can, what do you reckon, Timmy, quickly? I was going to say 176. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go 180 then. I'll go 180. Uh, you got 176. Uh, Talakai for the season, 176. Wow. Oh! oh he's got it up. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> what a guess. No well, Googling, I swear. I, well, I said 175, so <laughs> I was close. That's a great guess. But to think about that, though, like, you know, we've, we've spoken about Teleco quite a lot, and, and a lot of people have this bloke played Origin. Peter Hiku, only 20 metres less, and, you know, he hasn't really been spoken about at all this year. Like, so I think he deserves a bit of love for sure. Just just keep in mind with Teleco too, his first three games, he played in the second row and off the bench. His highest was 125 metres. Over the last five weeks of the season, he didn't go below his – he went below his average once. Fuck me. Cray yeah. missed him massively. So yeah. also, so it goes Teleco for centres, then – Hiku, and then third for centres is Val. Oh, okay, so Hiku's second. Hiku's second. Yeah, wow. And Val's third. Wow. For centres. It just shows you, man. It just shows you. He's had an incredible year. An That's incredible unbelievable year. unbelievable that there is 20 metres on average between first and second. Yeah. Centers. Yeah, jeez. <coughs> Not taking anything away from Hiku, but that's yeah. just crazy. Yeah, Talakai, incredible. And look, wow, the Sharkies missed Talakai. Wow, they missed him. Um, uh, anyone else trying to talk about – give a – who else? Look, Tom Gilbert, if you looked at his stats, you'd go, eh, you know, didn't get through that much, you know, meterage or whatever. 
But I don't know. When I was watching, I thought his line speed was mm. crucial for, for the Cowboys. Like, yeah, he might slip off tackles, but he's stopping, he's stopping the play because he's making the contact. Just on the Cowboys, i got a question. I saw, I think it might have been Brent Reid said this on the weekend. Considering, regardless of what happens this weekend, Penrith are losing kick out. Um, and who else are they losing? Appy. Appy. Para are losing Marnie and potentially Papali'i. The Cowboys, as you said before, you said in a, in a year's time, they would have been better, like this game would have been better for them. Brent Reid said that he thinks that Cowboys will start as prem favourites <coughs> next year. How I close do you reckon they'll go to that? I, I don't think it's an unreasonable call, but I think you can't go past the Penny Panthers next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any team with Nathan Cleary in it and that fucking forward mm. pack starts as favourites for me. Um, yeah. As in starts. Look, if I see them, they come out, they play like busters. Obviously, I'm going to say someone different. But it's going to be interesting because, like, with the Cowboys, like, is their cap that messed up? It's probably not. It doesn't – I don't. you don't hear much noise about it. You know, do they go into the market for an extra forward or two? Who, who are they gonna, they're going to lose Tom Gilbert. He's going to the Dolphins. Is that it? That's really it, I think. they got Helam Lukey coming back. They got, I what's going to be interesting, getting Leilua for a preseason. I was going to – yeah, I was just Fuck. about to say that. I was just about to say that. Like, Leilua – how what, the difference between Leilua when he rocked up to the Cowboys mm. towards his last game was night and day. Like it was, you saw when he rocked up, you saw the old Leilua that you know could break a million tackles, but coming in out of games. By the end of it, he was like so consistent, and he'd bought into the system that was built at the Cowboys. Um, I'm uh, I'm really excited for the Cowboys next year because think about this: this will this will be probably their starting pack. It'll be Jordan McLean. He just, I think he just re-signed too. Congratulations. Reese Robson, who's just gone from strength to strength. Ruben Cotter. Probably either Helam Lukey or... Because um, Gilbert's gone to Redcliffe, isn't he? Yeah. So Leilua. Let's say Leilua over... So you've got Ruben Cotter, Leilua, Nanai, Taumalolo. Tell me that isn't a forward Oof. pack as good as any other forward pack, period. Bar none. You give the halves another season together. Halves another yeah. season. The only thing is is maybe the craftiness out of nine. Like I know he's he's building towards it. Maybe that's the only thing I could say, you know, Appy potentially has over say like a Reese Robson. Um, I think Reed Marnie has really built that into his game. But another year Reese Robson under this this um system, I think he'll he'll find it. Yeah. He'll fucking find it. Um uh, to be honest, I'm trying to think. I think Reese Robson will probably be New South Wales next nine. Like, not next year, but next two to three years. You've yeah. got. Well, how old's Appy? Well, Appy's over 30, I think. Cook's over 30. Who else would you have have there? Blake Braley will put his hand up. Yeah. He's heading in the right I'd have, direction. I'd have Reese probably ahead at the yeah, moment. Yeah, I would at the moment. Yeah. Um, Jaden oh, Braley up like in Newcastle. Reese well. is made for Origin. He's a bit of a mm. thicker body. Uh, he's already obviously been in the camp. Um, yeah. Like, like where's Sam Verrills? Is he from New South Wales? He is, isn't he? Um, I think he's like a manly sort of area. I could be wrong. Yeah. I'd say, I, I think, it might, I'd put favourite on Bruce Robson. Yeah, yeah I think so. Avalon, yeah, so. Yeah, he's from Sydney. Avalon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, you know, this is how good this bloody Cowboys side is. Like, Hamiso's getting four min uh, three minutes. Do you think that was an error to bring to not bring him on for longer, or do you think the game didn't need a smaller body in the middle? I don't think so, but 
I mean, in hindsight, they, they were obviously down points at the back end, but, I mean, they were up by eight with... No, I'm saying, should he be brought on longer? Potentially. <coughs> I, I, to be honest with you, I wasn't sitting there in that game going, where's Hamisa mm. at any point? But, I mean, he's the sort of guy... That, like, there was one play where he sort of made a half break and he sort of stumbled. If he mm. would have regathered himself, he could have been in space and it, it could have all been over. But, I don't know. I, at no point did I sit there and go, fuck, where's Hammer? We need him on the mm. field now, mm. sort of imagine thing. Imagine when Parra... Not super critical of it, but imagine 15 to go when Parra were out on their feet Hammer chimed in around the ruck. Mm. Oh, yeah. I can actually made for that yeah. bench troll, isn't he? Is that why he was there? It's it's such a it's such a big call, tough call to know to go. Yeah, you know, for example, like imagine Hammer comes on, someone drops a ball, boom! All of a sudden, the Eels have got the ball rolling down the field, and Hammer's in there going, "Holy shit, I'm in a washing machine." Um, mm. So, look, Cowboys fans, I know it's disappointing. I know the pass was forward for sure. Like, you know, there's no denying that was the wrong call. But I thought your guys were absolutely so gallant and so good. I think you should all be incredibly proud and I think you should all be incredibly excited for the next few years. Um, the beautiful thing now about the Cowboys too is like Tamalolo is 29, Townsend here is 30, I think. Can you check please for me? So you've got enough time to it's go. 31. 31. So you've got enough time to like go into the market and prepare for when these guys move on. And you're not going into the market as a, play, a team that's 14th. You're going into the market as a team that's currently, you know, I'd probably say the third best team in the comp this year. I, I, like if, if Rabbitohs Cowboys play, I'd probably say the Cowboys win. Um, oh, it depends though. If the, if the good, if the Rabbitohs that kill it rock up, then, you know, you'd probably go Rabbitohs. But if you just took their, both of their games from the weekend and played each other, I reckon Cowboys get the job done. I was just glancing through Chad Townsend's profile on that. The one that the Hello Sport boys always bring up, the Vinny Chase mm. thing popped Is up in at the there? bottom. Yeah, that's <laughs> so fucking good. hilarious. The greatest hairline there ever was. It grows forward. I honestly think Townsend's. I think Townsend's hairline is is actually growing forward. He's the first man in history to have a a proceeding hairline. Proceeding. He honestly. That's why I wanted the Cowboys in the the GF because I wanted the hairline versus the chin. What what's more masculine, a, a, a proceeding hairline or a chin for fucking that can chisel through granite. Superhero chin. We would have seen. We would have seen. Um, outside of that, I think that's about that it for the Cowboys. Anything else, boys? No, good season. Great, great season. season. And also great final showing. You know, like there's it's like for example, look at the Sharks, how disappointed they are right now as a club, and look at the difference of the Cowboys. And yet they were one two points apart. We'll just say one because of the field goal. That's the difference, you know? Mm. The Cowboys go into this off-season confident, you know, yeah, disappointed, but happy. Sharks go into going, wow, we don't know if we're a finals footy side. Um, you know, so we, we'll talk quickly about the Sharkies. And that was that was my concern. I got a bit, of, I copped a bit of flack for it, but before finals footy, I just said I was unsure whether they were mm. a finals footy side yet. At the start of the year, my prediction was that, you know, they would go really well, but I don't know if they'd be able to pull it all together by the end of the year. Now, I think that got proven wrong. Like, I think they, they outdid my expectations. But I also think that, you know, my, I guess, estimation that they pro they, their finals footy just isn't there yet uh, was proven right. What do you reckon, Guru? Yeah, uh, it's a tough one because you go back to that Cowboy-Shark game, like, 
that game could have could have fallen the Sharks' way. Easy. You know, and then all of a sudden, the narrative is completely different. Mm. They get a week off, they come into this game. Could they have been the Eels? I don't know. I probably think this Cowboys side <coughs> had a better shot at beating the Eels than what the Sharks did. But I'm also probably a little bit biased because of what the Sharks showed against the South Sydney Rabbitohs last week when they were exhausted mm. and gassed. So... It's hard when, when when you go to a you know a thirty all that goes to golden point, then goes to extra time, or extra time, then golden point. It takes a lot out of the tank. So I don't know. It's hard to judge, but you know I was higher on them coming into finals than you were. Uh, but I think you, you were definitely proven right. Obviously, as the yeah. I, I wouldn't sellers. say I was fully right. Like fuck, I'm wrong about a bunch of shit. That's for sure. Roosters, I was wrong about. <laughs> I was so wrong about the roosters. I thought roosters were going all the way, baby. Um, Timmy, what are your sharkies like? Do you think that because like. I think that the Sharkies at the moment played perfect season footy, like perfect, not perfect because they weren't one, but really good season footy, like find a way to get wins, whether it's ugly or whatever, just get the wins. But my, I guess, feeling was is that just that next step, finals footy is like its own season. It's also its own type of footy. And I used this example on Matty Johnstone last Friday. It's like, look at the Rabbitohs, scraped into the eight, scraped in. Like two games before the season end, ended they weren't even in the eight yet or like it wasn't confirmed that they would make the eight but then they go into finals footy they're a finals footy side now i know they played poorly on the weekend but there's no denying they're a finals footy side when you look at the the, the caliber of players that can turn up and yes i know that some of those players didn't play well on the weekend but you know what i'm saying do you think that they need to recruit or do you think that they just need longer together to become a finals footy side sharkies the latter for sure mate i think i think you're quite on the money when you said probably 12 months away from being a genuine title threat had that game in week one of the finals gone the other way and they got through to the prelim they still had a prelim to get through and then a grand final to be considered uh premiership contenders so while it was a wonderful year i think what they've done this season with you know a new look side the big one being nico hines who you know, in a week's time could be a Dalian medal winner. That Those combinations are just going to be so far advanced after another full pre-season going into next year. And I think they've got all the pieces to be a premiership team mm. uh, come this time next year. I think they're just short of it this season. Uh, you, you touched on it all year, Campy, that you just thought they were just need a little bit more time to hit their absolute peak. Uh, and I, I think they've got all the tools to, to win a premiership next season. Mm. It's interesting because do you think that the Cowboys going... Now, I know Todd Payton won't allow this to happen, but the Cowboys going into this preseason, disappointed but happy with the season. Sharky's going to this preseason, angry, bitter, disappointed. Do you think it's a good thing for them next year? Oh, I think it could be. I think Craig Fitzgibbon's going to come in. Because he focused. was filthy in that press conference. Like, yeah. his press conference wasn't like, you know, hap like wasn't, you know, happy boys, like rah, rah. It was like, you know, people know who... Let us down. Yeah, and I, I think you know the Cowboys and the Sharks are gonna be two really interesting sides to watch next year. Like mm. as good as the Cowboys are, and as confident as I am that they will go back to top eight footy, like we've seen teams do this before. Yeah, they yeah. come from nowhere in a season, and they really like. Look, they did you guys have been a classic it. example mm. on a number of occasions where you look like world beaters. You go, Canberra is locked locked in for top yeah. eight. Finish. 2017 Cowboys. Yep, all the way to a grand final next year. Fucking 11th or 12th. I um, had them. I had them cemented in a grand final in 2018. Yeah. Yeah, like it can happen. It can happen, and you know, I, I, it's funny. Like this Cowboys side, like they did a very similar thing all the way back in, I think it was two thousand and three, and they, sorry, two thousand four. They they made the prelim final. There was a lot of hope and everything, and then it was <coughs> sort of like, fuck, are they going to be able to do it? The next year, they managed to go to the grand final. Mm. So, 
Cowboys, they have been in this position before a long time ago. I, I hope they can back it up. But I agree. I, I think the Sharkies, the way the way that it ended for them and how disappointed they'll be and how, how much it would have hurt them, I think it can, they can definitely use it as a positive yeah, heading into they the next can season. Absolutely, in the, the offseason. It's tough losing for Fida and Tolman. It's a lot of experience. Well, it's mm. two of the most experienced. Like it's 500 games of first grade mm. walking out of there. Um, but hopefully they can go into the market. and Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. What, what I think that the reason why I really think these guys will be good next year will they be second or third i'm not sure will they be top eight i'm i'm pretty like really really confident is it's craig fitzgibbon and todd payton mm. like they are no nonsense fucking they are not going to allow these guys to get ahead of themselves um do you reckon it'll serve them well timmy sharks the the, the bitterness of the disappointment i think it will yeah, yeah. i'm just thinking just gonna be so driven next season you know what yeah we had a good season but it ended abruptly and i think they'll use that fire uh unbelievably for them and you speak of yeah they're losing experience in Tolman and Fafida but they're also blokes who you know they didn't play many like big minutes even when they did play this season uh, I think they lost Jackie Williams in the back half of the season and you know he's far from a hero and a, a key player in that side but he's so suited to just this modern day agile middle mm. I think he has some really good footy in them so he'll come back uh, after missing you know basically the whole second half of the season he come in he can play big minutes he's good for just this quick ruck speed uh, so I think that'll be fantastic and then yeah maybe they can plug another another forward in there or have someone coming through the ranks it'll help a lot but mm. I think they'll be fine and I think they're just I think they're really well positioned yeah. I think the other thing about the Sharkies too is that you know we spoke about it all season that their errors mm. were so costly throughout the year but they scored enough points that it didn't matter. Mm. Come final time, it was the errors that cost them. And there was, you know, a couple of players that made key errors in both of their losses that I, I think it'll really drive in how important that is. Well, it was a key, need. it was a key thing that, you know, we spoke about. I said, we, we said the Cowboys second last game or last game, they completed at like 80% against that Penrith reserve grade side. Mm. I think it was the second last game. And I was like, that's such a fucking good sign because it shows standards don't drop when they're, Whereas the Sharkies played the Doggies second last game and they completed like 60% or whatever. And I was like, that's, that's a bit concerning. Yeah. Um, but we're going to save, we're, we're save uh, the review of the year. We're going to do a real deep dive, guys, review of the year over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. But we will say, I still think the Sharkies had a fantastic year. There's no denying that. Now, onto the Eels' performance. Uh, look, I want to get this out of the way. I already put up a post about Sean Lane. He was absolutely phenomenal. He was the difference. In my opinion, Sean Lane play, doesn't play. They don't win the game. Uh, I don't think they even, like, they get close, but they definitely don't win the game without Lane. If Clint Gutherson doesn't play, they definitely don't win the game because he, as you we've already discussed, you go back, watch that game. There were try-saving tackles. There were holding people up over the line. There was... Um, there was basically two or three grubber like that, you know, eight out of 10 fullbacks probably would have dropped. Uh, he was absolutely outstanding. Um, look, was he, it wasn't he, like he did all the little things right. It wasn't he a try assist or anything like that he needed to do. It was every time a big play, put it this way, he scored three tries and that was in defense. You know, he did get 18 points, just not by scoring tries. If, if he's not at the back in the first half doing what he does, it's a blowout and they're done. It's a classic man of the match performance that isn't shown in stats. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you go and look at his stats, you'd be like, yeah, Gutho was okay. Matter of fact, if you go and look at his stats, six tackles, four misses. So you'd be like, oh, fuck, bad game. But go for example, he missed the one on Scotty Drinkwater. He missed him, but Scotty Drinkwater hit the deck. Mm, yeah. 
guys yeah. cleaned him up. Like yeah. a missed tackle that was a try-saving tackle. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a game where you have to watch to see what Gutho did. He was he was my personal man of the match. I thought Sean Lane was incredible in the second half. But for the, the entire of the 80, Gutho was my man of the match. Like... He just doesn't get enough respect. I, I know he's not the million-dollar fullback, and I know he's not Tedesco or Tom Dravojevic or Latrell Mitchell or, you know, whatever. But we go into this grand final. Guess who the two fullbacks are? They're two of the battlers. They're Clint Gutherson and Dylan Edwards. They're two fullbacks that balance squads financially, but also balance them in playing styles because every single week you know what they're going to give you. So if you're a coach with a game plan, you don't have to worry about is he going to come and score four tries or is he going to be relatively quiet? Uh, it's, I think he's been incredible. And I think that you know when it comes to fullback, what a resounding kind of statement when the last few years especially, it has been about the fullback. That's where the best players go. And we're hyping up Tom Draboyevich. We've got Latrell Mitchell. We've got Tedesco. We've got Ryan Pappenhausen. We've got Hughes being moved from there. We've got Scotty Drinkwater. We've got like superstars across the board. And yet it's the two battlers that end up in the grand final. Um, and so like if there's any young people listening or young footy players, girls or guys, and you're not as you know fast as someone else or whatever, go and watch Dylan Edwards and Clint Gutherson play. There are ways you can become an elite fullback. Uh, Thoughts on the Eels' performance? Yeah, mate. Look, I've been very open this year saying that I just didn't think come the big games they'd be able to deliver. Mate, I'm confident saying if Parramatta were down by eight with 23 minutes to go in any of the last five seasons, there's not a hope in hell they win that game. No. I think they really turned a corner in this game. Uh, and I think that Clint Gutherson, you know, my my greatest thing against Parramatta for the last few years has been that when you get to the bright lights, <coughs> they don't have that guy that can stand up and deliver big moment after big moment. <coughs> As much as people won't talk about it, I thought Gutho turned into that guy the other night. Mm. As much as it won't come up in try assists and whatever, I just thought that he was fucking everywhere. He he was that was Tedesco like. Mm. How does he keep appearing there? How does he keep coming up with these plays? Just effort built on effort built on effort. So credit to Gutho. I thought it was fantastic. You mentioned Sean Lane. Oh, mate, I, I, like I thought the most. The, the biggest moment of this entire game was the intercept he took on Scott Drinkwater mm. on about the North Queensland 40-metre line. It turned the game on its head. It swung the momentum completely. And Lane had a couple of big plays. The charge down. Yep. The, the try assist. And I, I thought the charge down was a try for all money if he didn't get that. Yeah. Yep. Chad got that perfect. I know. I know. It would have landed in – was it Tulungi? Was that was the right wing. So felt. Felt. Yeah. It, it would have landed, landed his bread basket. And it would have been a felt match winner again <laughs> if they had us kick the, 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 field, uh, the conversion. And the thing that I loved as well is that, you know, they had the charge down, which is all a big play. But typically Parramatta, when the ball's on the ground, they won't win that scramble. Mm. They won the scramble for the ball twice in the last five yeah. minutes. It was that one. And then Bailey Simonson, even on the last play, yeah, like for him to get to that ball as well, which, you know, the way that it landed and where Nanai was, you would have assumed he would have got there. So Bigger body too. Bigger Nanai. body. Like there's just a lot of – a massive bigger body, yeah. There's just so many – there were so many moments throughout this game <coughs> that for me what I'm used to with Parramatta over the last few years was almost un-Parramatta. And for me it kind of feels like they have turned a corner. Mm. That's Mate. the first time I've ever sat there in a big game and gone, fuck – they stood up and they went out and won that. Yeah. And, and what I loved about it was, I mean, I didn't love it, but they played pretty average first half. Mm. It was Brad Arthur at the, in, the, in the changing room. Like the amount of, like, I understand that Parramatta have a great roster and I understand that with that roster, they should be challenging for premierships. But Brad Arthur never gets 
any respect. Brad Arthur never gets any respect for the things that he's done at that club. I mean, he was on, what was it, four weeks ago, there was like rumblings about him potentially going. And it's just like, look, I understand if he bounced out of the finals again two games. I would say, okay, yeah, you can you can definitely begin to consider maybe we need to have preparations and and begin to plan for if it happens, you know, if the next 10 games that come out the next year, we've got an assistant coach or not even assistant coach, we're just like sending out feelers and, and just finding is there the next Peyton or Fitzgibbon out there? Not, not sack Arthur by any means, but I could understand if they got bounced out game after game that you, because you want to win premierships, you would even consider it. But like, he's in a grand final. The no, it's done. The noise is done. This guy has made a grand final. If he goes in next year, comes fourth, you know, gets into a prelim again, that's a successful year. People forget how hard it is to make these things. It is so, so hard. Um, so like, I just want to give a wrap to Brad Arthur because whatever he said at halftime, it worked. It worked. Yeah, like just how how fickle rugby league is, and I don't know if you guys would disagree, but if Chad Townsend gets that kick through and Kyle Felt scores, I reckon he's under pressure again. Probably, yeah. There would have been whispers this week about him losing his job, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, I reckon. I mean, this fucking – what was it, two weeks ago, a thing got leaked, the review got leaked about, like, this all this bad stuff, and it's like, mate, who else is out there to replace the bloke? Like, what are we talking about here? Um, you know, uh, uh, Bailey Simonson, I thought he did a really good job, you know, and – I think I actually think Brad Arthur's got a tough. If if Opacek is all right, I think he's got a tough question to ask, because you know once again Wonga Blake was, you know, struggled under the high ball, ran for sixty five meters, didn't really do that much. But, you know, he made one really good one on one tackle on Val Holmes. It was a tricep, yeah. but outside of that, yeah. Whereas you got Bailey Simons, one hundred and twenty two meters, three tackle breaks, eleven tackles, only two misses. I think it's a tough call to make, man. I really do. I, th- I, I, I think Brad Arthur will lean towards loyalty, but I don't think it's as simple as like, well, Wonga Blake's been there all year. I thought Simonson was really bloody good. I, I, I was shocked he picked Simonson. I really was. I was, I was just waiting for Nair Corre. Yeah, there agreed, agreed. I was worried about uh, Simonson's defence. I, I pretty much said on my podcast, like, fuck, who does he think he's kidding here? Mm. He's got to play Nair Corre there. I, 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 you would have seen more of Simonson. I haven't really play, seen him play. He's a great ball before. runner. He's a great ball runner. He used to play sevens uh, for the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. Really, really good ball runner. Just his defensive reads, and you can speak about it more. His defensive reads sometimes can be a bit off. Well, I thought he was outstanding. What did you think about the Eels, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, three quarters of my notes from the game and takes were around Lane and Moses, but I won't beat down that bush again. You boys summed it up. Uh, sorry, um, Gutho and Lane. It was just two of the best performance I've ever seen in that match um, but we've spoken about that in depth so I'll speak about Mitchie Moses and just what an what a roller coaster that that oh. game almost summed up Mitchie Moses career didn't it the highs and lows he had a, his first child four hours before the game back in Sydney he lost his nan last week uh, he came out he put two balls out in the full late in the game which were like inexcusable he missed a conversion that if they'd lost that would have changed the tune for the rest of his career because it was like it would have he would have been remembered for that and mm. the opportunity to get power into a grand final and missing that, but then to bounce back with a really key repeat set late on in the game, he made a one-on-one tackle on Jason Tamalolo really late on in the game about five ten minutes out from the line that was insane and mm. just got completely overlooked due just to the intensity of the situation. Yeah. Um, 
So just to see him bounce back in the back end of that after a few really disappointing plays... Uh, and it just set up the perfect narrative. I know you boys love a narrative. And oh, yeah. Richie Moses, the, the bloke to fill this famous number seven Parramatta jersey, the void of, what is it, 36 or something years without a premiership. Every single year it's about this famous number seven <coughs> jersey since Sterlow retired. Mm. Uh, now Mitchie Moses has the opportunity to come out and be that man and take them to glory, and it's just the whole the whole game, grand final, is set up for Mitchie Moses and... Is he going to go to water or is he going to stand up and be the champion? So, yeah. oh, I can't wait. Yeah, Mitchie Moses is a great point. And, and like, choosing to miss the birth of your, your child, um, you know, that's a massive sacrifice and everything that he went through. But what I loved about it was this shows you how far this club has come. Because last year, if Mitchell Moses has a poor game, they get absolutely fucking pumped. He comes out, you know, for 60 minutes of the game, pretty poor. And yet the boys rallied around him and got the job done. And sometimes, you know, yes, he is the man that needs to get the job done, all that kind of stuff. You know, he's gotten to, gotten them to this point. He needed the men around him. Like, it's pretty understandable a bloke that's ha- having a child, literally on the field, his, his wife or his partner is having a child. He's lost, what did you say, was his, his grandma? His nan, nan, nan grandma, yeah. yeah. From last week. The week before. Mm. Pretty understandable that his head's a little bit off. Like, pretty understandable. The boys got around him. Again, as you said, that incredible um, the tackle. I'm just happy for Mitchell because I tell you what, one of the most unfairly maligned blokes. Like he's super, super competitive. Yeah, he gets in the ref's face, and yeah, he's 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 ultra competitive and passionate. But that's what you want. That's what you want your seven to be. What you think Joey wasn't ultra competitive? You think Joey wasn't ultra like that's what Freddie Fitler not ultra competitive? Um, and Mitchell Moses. What I loved about this season is is his negative or his naysayers, they've gotten awfully quiet. You don't see it. And you know what I love the most about all of this is that he has earned a grudging respect of everyone in rugby league. If you don't respect Mitchell Moses by now, you're the one that's got the issue because this bloke has taken this team from Wooden Spoon to a grand final. Like any other seven did that, we'd be sitting here going, holy shit. And yeah, okay, he didn't have the best game, but... What about all the other games that he got him to get this point? Um, has he got the most tries this year? I think, um, so we have to put in perspective what has happened here. A number seven has been gone from the Tigers to the Eels and taken a wooden spoon club with you know some of the most hectic infighting upstairs you've ever seen. That you know one day the coach is gone, the next he's staying, all the way to a famous grand final. It's incredible. Yeah, he's, uh, sorry, he's leading the tries this year. He's leading the tries. Yeah. The other thing it ties into is just that we need to consider. Is another great example of how young halfbacks. It takes so long mm. to master the art of being an organising halfback in the NRL. It is such a tough job, and I think if you ask most veteran NRL halfbacks or who have had their careers, when did you hit your peak? They nearly all say anywhere from about that twenty-seven to thirty age mark. Uh, Mitchie Moses turned twenty-eight two weeks ago or a yeah. week ago and he's coming into well <coughs> arguably a, a career year for him where he's just been incredible takes him to a grand final so it's you gotta have to cut the halves a little bit of slack in their early to mid-20s because it takes time to master the art i'm not saying he's necessarily mastered it yet but geez playing some incredible footy and it also ties into how bloody good dylan brown is to be doing what he is consistently at his age so so i was about to say yeah just to cap that off incredible mitchell moses like and and He's a big reason why the players around him 
could lift him up when he was struggling. It shows you a good, tight team. Had a rough game, but they are absolutely nowhere near the finals if he isn't playing. Um, take me into the Dylan Brown situation. Won't get talked about because, like, was he as flashy as a week before? No. 126 metres, 15 runs, 30 tackles at number six, only three misses. Um, one offload, 38 post contact. What a knock from a, what, 22-year-old? But, mate, it's almost like, oh, yeah. It's what I mean. Still. It, won't get, it yeah. won't get, like, hype. But we're talking about a 21, 22-year-old half here that's just gone into a prelim, back against the wall, you know, the run of the, the like, 50% completion rate in the first half. He comes out and does what he does. Just amazing. Um, Going to be really interesting because both of them come off contract, I'm pretty sure, 2024. I think, I think they both stay. There's premierships there, boys. Like, I know they lose Reed, which is a massive loss. They get um, Hodgson next year. But, look, they've still got Bowlaw. They've still got Regan Campbell-Gillard. Papali'i, we don't know. Um, like, this is the best year to do it. Is the window as open as it was before? No. But it's not fully closed either. It's not fully closed. Um, Will Pensini, I thought he was great. Uh I will say with uh, Sivo, I think, you know, he had some really good moments, but I do think he does probably need to add more runs into his game. I think that he, in today's game as a winger, you can no longer get away with just being that mm. big, great finisher that teams are scared of. I think Brian Toto is a perfect example on the weekend of like, he is the almost the perfect embodiment of a, you know, or Suwali'i of the, a winger that can take 23 runs, but then also do some crazy mm. plays as well. So with Siro, I'm not sure what his um, cardio is like. Maybe he's so big that he, you know, struggles cardio-wise. But I do think that you want to have be up around the 15 to 16 runs. He's averaging, just looking now, because it's a great point, Kebby, he's averaging 129 run metres a game. That has to up. Yeah. It, like for as, his a premier, size, yeah. as a premier winger. Yeah. Coming off that wing, like... What did it add to this side if that 129 a game could be 179 or 189? Like, th there's no reason I don't think why he can't be doing that. Yeah, for sure. And so it's actually in my notes. I just think that as we head into this like, next generation of winger, you just have to have that. You can't afford to be, you know, just – I mean, you can because they're in a grand final. But I think that if Sivo wants to be considered one of the best wingers in the comp, he has to add that to his game. Um I want to give a massive shout out to Regan Campbell-Gillard. So starts his career off with a bang, you know, then everything happens at the Panthers, doesn't seem to work out. And you're going, fuck, look, he, I think he basically shatters his jaw, takes a while to get his confidence back. And you're almost sitting there going, oh man, like maybe this guy will kind of fade out. Like he'd made the Australian side, he'd made origin, and he thought maybe his career was heading towards the, just a battler that would, you know, maybe come off the bench here and there. He's even had to deal with things coming when he came to the Eels, you know, he got dropped from, from the origin side. Now he's in uh, a grand final and he was absolutely outstanding on the weekend. Uh, I just, you know, what an incredible journey for Regan Campbell-Gillard and for a guy that got dropped from the New South Wales side to, I think, everyone would say that he is guaranteed an Australian spot and almost guaranteed a starting spot. Fair? I think what, so. what an incredible journey. Yeah, just on that, I was just having a look through his career. Uh, you obviously mentioned he, he had the, what was it, the shattered jaw? I, th I think he fucking really badly hurt his jaw. He's played eight years of first grade. The least amount of games he's played in a season has been 20. Oh, really? In the front row. That's hectic. That it's unbelievable. Hectic. Yeah. 
That big big like, minute prop as well. And the way he plays too. Mm. The way he plays. Well, like he's played eight seasons. He's played 182 first grade games. Far out. How old In is the front he? Row. He is yeah 29. Fuck, that's a fair effort. Jesus. It's an incredible effort. Holy heckers. Um, 57 minutes on the weekend, two tries, 149 metres, three tackle breaks, two line breaks, a line break assist, offload, 32 tackles, only one missed. Oh. He's actually uh, he's represented um, Fiji previously too. I'll tell you what, if he decides to go play for Fiji, we're in some fucking country. Oh, <laughs> Fuck me, dead. Nah, he'll, he'll play Australia. He'll play Australia. Uh, yeah, massive shout-out to RCG. What, a, what an incredible turnaround. Um, Pablo, again, did great stuff. Um, Papali'i, I thought Papali'i was really tough. There were periods there where it was almost like Tamalolo was looking for him. I had my notes. I, I wonder, at the start of the game, I think it was like the first two or three carries, he ran straight up Papali'i. And I was like, I wonder whether Peyton has intentionally made a game plan to try and tire Papali'i out in defence so that he doesn't want to run the ball in mm-hmm. attack. Because Papali'i, if you can try and take away that from the, parent, uh, the, the Eels, put it this way, imagine Sean Lane doesn't come out and do what he does. Then you've almost nullified... Yep. what the Eels do. It, it took Sean Lane stepping up to step into the role that Papali'i usually plays for the Eels. Um, but I thought it was a real tough game. You know, gets head high, got bumped a few times, just kept turning up, just kept turning up. Um, near Corey, I thought he had a pretty rough start, if I'm being honest. Um, but defensively, he was pretty good. Uh, Madison came on, worked his ass off, as he does. Far out, he loosens up that middle for him. He just... As soon as he came on, you could feel them getting momentum. You could feel them just the the defense getting a bit looser and making it a much harder job to defend. If, uh, if you watch the try that he set up for RCG, the first one, you see in the play he literally points at them and points at Chad Townsend and goes twos. Yeah, there. He, he saw it coming from a mile away. It's such a good. It's it's almost impossible to stop. Yeah, it was his first touch, wasn't it? Just pr- close, pretty close. Pretty close to it. Yeah. And like the play that before that, he came under expecting to get the ball, didn't get it. So it's not like it was a whole set play and everything. He just looked up, yep. saw what Chad was, told the two boys what to do, and faceballed it perfectly. Mate, it's such a tough play because if Townsend stays out there, he gets bumped. Like it's it's a physics thing. Like you're not going to stop a rampaging RCG there, or at the very least, he makes an incredible tackle and there's a quick play of the ball, they score on the next play. He did the same thing to you guys last week, didn't he? Exact, pretty much the exact same, same yeah. thing. with our baller. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I'm, I'm so happy for the Eels. Um, I just, I, I know they had a really up and down season, but I just always believed this squad, it, it, this was their year, this was their moment. You could just feel it. And I think that a lot of people, because they had such an up and down mid-year, a lot of people didn't realise that heading towards finals footy, it was the first time they were on the up. Whereas most time, all the other years where they've been bounced out in two games, they were on the decline performance-wise. They were heading, they were moving up the table into finals footy. And so I think that, I actually spoke to Junior Paolo um, at the start of, like when they were struggling a little bit, mid-year I think, and he was like, yeah, they're just trying to change a lot of things up because it clearly hasn't been working, whatever is the last few years. So the fact that they're in the finals, this isn't like by chance, like the Eels actually changed things up internally to get these boys in the best state to head into these finals. Um, so I'm so stoked that they're in a grand final. So stoked. They deserve all the praise in the world. Um, Will Pensini again. I know, I know like, I just think that we, we spoke about, for I think it was last year, Guru, we spoke about how we just thought outside backs wise, they just didn't have that extra man there 
that was elite. Mm. And I think Pensini, although Dylan Brown has taken a lot of that slack, I think Pensini has really been that guy. He's flown under the radar. Oh, well, I mean, I, uh, I just think people uh, people appreciate him, but I don't think they appreciate how good he has been. Like, he mm. hasn't just been a good 20-year-old. Mm. He's been a fucking good premium centre. Yeah. Mm. He's been really good. I remember, I, I think Maddie said it off mic before, just going back. It was only round 22. They got beat 26-0 by the South Sydney Rabbitohs. It's only eight weeks ago. Yeah. The, the turnaround has been... Like, I'll be very, like, if they do win a comp on Sunday, I'll be very interested here. Like, I reckon something must have happened that week off the back of that. Well, uh, they, they were aware of it, you know what mm. I mean? So they were watching it. Uh, they've, <clears throat> they've timed it perfectly. Like, they have timed it perfectly because, you know, losing 26-0. Didn't they come out the next week and pump fucking... Well, yeah, they, after that, they played Canterbury and Brisbane. They gave it to both of them, beat them both by 40-odd. Then they beat that Melbourne Storm side. Then they got done by Penrith, obviously, week one of the finals. Yep. Um, we'll get to a quick preview later on. But uh, I thought Reed Marnie was also outstanding. Uh, missed a bit of tackles in defence, but, I mean, when you're making 58 tackles, fuck. You can miss as many tackles. I mean, you can't miss as many as you want, but I'll excuse <laughs> it, bro. I'll ex- hey, hooker, I'll excuse your missed tackles <laughs> as geez, a winger. That was a good try that he set up to. Just, just, just those one or two steps yeah. that he took. He just sort of held the – he just put them in two minds for a split second. And it's just enough. like – it's what Harry Grant does so fucking well is yep. that – that constant probing where you just keep the defenders on the back foot. Because if the hooker gets out, you can't get line speed because then you're running past the fucking ball. And so Reed Marnie, he's getting better and better at that. I think he's going to be so good for the Doggies. And that's the, like, the, if he keeps improving that part of his game, I think he's already got one of the best kicking games as far as hookers go. He's really developed it for he's sure. He's developed yeah. it heaps yep. this year. His long passing game is, oh, it's the best in the league. So good. Oh, so I was crisp. sitting there watching... <clears throat> The game on the weekend with a mate who um, loves his rugby union, isn't a huge league guy, but watches it with me. And he sat there and said, fuck, he could compete with the best nines in world rugby. Yeah, well, that that's a big call. Like, I've never heard him compliment league before. So. No. <laughs> Just quickly, guess who kicked a fucking 40-20 in the PM13 out of hooker? Yeah, Benny Hunt. Fucking Benny Shock. Hunt. <clears throat> yeah. It's a joke. You know, he kicked six 40-20s this year. Oh, the last person to do that was Chrissy Sandow like 10 years ago. The great <laughs> Chrissy Sandow, eh? Um, so, look, Eels fans, win, lose, or draw, enjoy it. What an incredible year. Um, just enjoy it. Just embrace the week. As I said, win, lose, or draw, you're in a grand final. These things, they're almost a flip of a coin. Like, when you get two teams like this, they're almost a flip of a coin. They, it really – it just comes down to the day and, you know, you might be you might be the fortunate ones that just seems to roll your way that day. So enjoy the week, para fans. You've earned it. Will we save it for the preview or not? But who do you think's under more pressure coming in? Is it Pedro? We'll save it to the preview. Save, save it the preview. Okay. All right. Uh, now, let's get to the next game, and then we'll get to the preview. Panthers versus Rabbitohs. <clears throat> this is a really – I'm torn with this because watching the first half, I was like, Panthers are beatable. If I'm sitting back watching that, I'm going, fuck. They are absolutely beatable. Then they come out the second half, and I'm going – then no one can beat them. So it's going to be interesting to see because they've had now two finals games and two really slow starts. So I wonder if that's going to be a concern and I wonder whether the Eels can take advantage of that. But we'll get to the the, the Panthers game. Um, Nathan Cleary, holy man. Like the guy is just incredible. Try, try, assist. You know, the try scored was just all himself. Um, Brian To'o. <laughs> Amazing, a try, 
293 metres, 80 post contact, 80 post contact. Three tackle breaks, Dylan Edwards, 14 tackle breaks, 287 metres. Just incredible. Um, but Brian Toto, like, he's actually waiting to – how much do you reckon he's going to get off contract? Because he's waiting until November 1st, he said. Similar to front rowers, I don't know how much I'm willing to pay for a winger, but I'll pay overs for him. Because, like, back in the day you'd say, don't pay 700K for a winger. But he's a front rower. He is. And a he's, winger. Yeah. You, you, you can go easier in your forward pack if you've got him. 100%. He can also play on both wings as well as – like, it's he, – he's a front I – don't, I, I don't think we've ever seen anyone like him before. I really don't. I'm trying to think. Because, like, you've got your guys like Matty Utai and um, – but these guys coming out of their own end were never on his level. That's that's, that's what I'm the, saying. Yeah. Like, and also the consistency and yeah. lack of errors. You know, decent reader in defence, incredible finisher. Like he has literally it all. You know, and every time you talk about Brian Tott or someone goes, oh yeah, but um, crossfield bombs, and you go, show me the tape yeah, where he's getting dominated. Yeah. Show me the tape where he's getting <laughs> out jumped constantly. It's just not there. Yeah, I, I personally think he's changed the winger position. Like before him, you you would like you wouldn't be stressed about all, all that much how many meters your wingers had run. Now it's it's we talk about it every fucking week. It's the first thing I look at mm. to see how a winger went. You used to look at the try line column and go, "Yep, good or bad game." Yeah, I think he's like like a Blake Ferguson kind of really introduced those like a lot a lot of meters. I mean, Wendell Saylor was doing it too, but I think that like. Brian Toll is like taking that and ran with it. Taking it to the next level, yeah. yeah. I, I think though that when those other guys were doing it, they were like the elite guys. It wasn't expected of everyone. Mm, yeah. I think he's taken it to that new level where if you're not running, like who, who are we just talking about? Um, Sivo. Sivo, like we just said, if he's, he should be running for 189 metres. If you would have said that 10 fucking years ago, mm, that would yeah. have been outrageous yeah, to You would say. have said, mate, he's a winger. He's there to score tries. Yeah, just let him score his meters and yeah. call it Which a he does do. Um, yeah, Brian Toll and just... What a what a boon to the game! Like he he's got you know character. He's funny. He's he's humble. He's respectful, but he's also got a lot of energy. Uh, just that that try score where Cody tried to one on one steal. Like that'll be highlight reel for for a very long time. Flying down the sideline. Um, I believe it was called Jonah Lomu esque. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't <know> <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But look, they're in the moment. They're trying to make it sound as good as possible. I understand. Um, but, yeah, that, that try was – look, that, that changed the game, really. It's a very different game. They go in, what, 12-6 up? It's a different game. They go in 12-all, it's like, oh, fuck, or 12-10, was it? 12-all. 12-all. Very different game. Um, Timmy, what did you think about the Penny Panthers? Yeah, it was uh, – watching the game, even at 12-0 down, I was like, firstly, wow, but I wasn't really concerned. I, I still thought Penrith would get the job done. Uh, probably not as easily as they ended up doing it, but – you know, they came back, ended up winning by a 20-odd point margin. Game finished, I was like, yep, no surprise. Uh, they're just that good. But then I went back the next day and watched all the highlights, went through it again with a fine-tooth comb, and you look at it and just go, well, there's the Toe runaway try, and then there were three tries off kicks that were just grubbers in behind the line that were soft as, just going, fire. Like, this scoreline didn't reflect the game. Mm. Um, you know, not necessarily saying that... Had they, had they covered a few of these kicks a little better than Bunnies may have won, but, oh, gee, there was not as much in it as I think the scoreline suggested. Yeah, there were definitely, you know, Rabbitohs definitely shot himself in the foot. They had the game there, mm. 
and then there was just like crucial errors here or there. But I, like the, the the weird thing about the Penny Panthers, that's kind of what they do to teams. They make you make mistakes. They build pressure. They fatigue you. And so, like, they just hang in games for the 80 minutes. So unless you are there for 80 minutes, they're going to – you're going to start making uncharacteristic errors or not be where you are supposed to be. So, some, like, sometimes when when it always happens with a specific team, I think sometimes you've got to look at it and go, okay, maybe it's that team forcing them into mistakes due to fatigue, due to fraud, for whatever it is. Um, because I think their completion rate in the first half was like – I think it was like 90% or something. Anyway, they ended up at 83%. Um, and the Rabbitohs ended up 72 But I think there's a period where they were like down really, really low. Um, what do you think about the Panthers? Yeah, I, they're just such an impressive outfit. Like I, I, South Sydney couldn't have played much better for the first 25 minutes. Mm. And, you know, you, you saw at the very start of the game, I think South Sydney's first set, they sort of struggled. And you thought, fuck, oh, I was thinking, fuck, here we go. Penrith could run a train here. Then it all evened up very quickly, and then South got on the front foot. Like I was having a look at the numbers yesterday. It was 12-0 when Appy came on the field. He left the field 56 minutes later. In that 56 minutes, they won that period 26-0. And he was the first one to score. Fucking unbelievable. He's, yeah. got, he's got a start, doesn't he? Well, yeah. Sure. But in saying that, this works so effectively when they do bring him on a little bit later. He absolutely tears. He, he did this to you last time, didn't he, Matty? Didn't you bring him? He came off the bench and he... Yeah, that's when it kind of started. Yeah, that he, was the um, first game, yeah. Yeah, it was like a late change just an hour before kickoff. Yes, he was effective, but they're also down 12 nil without him. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean... Yeah, I mean, like, it, can't you just tell how different the Panthers are when, mm. like, respectfully to Mitch Kenny? It's mm. not, it's not taking. Any I will say, Mitch Kenny's defense was fucking outstanding. Defense is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but like in attack, they look like a completely different footy side for that opening twenty minutes. And once again, that's not having a crack at Mitch Kenny. I think it's more just showing because like the level that Appy's at in forty-three minutes. Uh, sorry, thirty-five minutes. Mitch Kenny made thirty tackles. Yeah. So, like, I think he's just out there to take the sting out of the game. And and you're right. It's like. Where's the like if you if you start happy, are you winning twelve or is it twelve all? But then if it's working, why change it? Mm. You know, I just I don't know. Well, because like, I mean, it's not like there was anything going wrong for them to change. It was working when he was starting. It's Penrith. It worked when he was yeah. starting. It works when he doesn't start. I think everything Penrith do works. It's yeah, just what's the be, what's the so best like, of for, these options? For me, looking at this game this weekend though, like I, I I would be leaning towards keeping him on the bench. I want to keep him fresh because this first twenty minutes. It's going to be a fucking war. It's going to be a bloodbath. Bloodbath. Like, Mitch Kenny, like, what did you say? You made 33 30 and 35? 30 tackles in 35 minutes. He basically made a tackle a minute. He could do 40 in the first 30 yeah. on Sunday. I don't know. If, and this is what I said around the origin time. I couldn't believe we started Appy over Cook. I've, mm. He's a guy that should have come off the bench, and I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Ivan Cleary do it again yeah. this week. And just quickly, and he also ran for 92 metres, 40 post-contact. I don't think Mitch Kenny gets enough raps. I really don't. I, I I think he's doing a really good job. I understand your point, Timmy. Like I, you know, Appy on has been working. So, but I just think Mitch Kenny just gets you a lot of fucking shit work. Like mm. a lot of shit. And you know, ninety-two meters, forty post contact. Fuck, mm. fair effort. Um, and when he jumps into that thirteen role, he's great. Mm. Not that like that sort of roaming thirteen. It doesn't take a yo spot, obviously. But just when he's playing through the middle, I think he's really good. Too. Yeah. See, what I think I think Ivan's trying to do is split, the, like the tackle count. Mm. Like in so so Appy doesn't have to make sixty tackles or fifty five tackles. I think he's trying to say, look, let's just 
let's try to split that. So I've got two hookers making 30 tackles. Because when you actually look at that tackle count, Kenny's 30, Coruscant's 36. If you had Coruscant on there for, what, 70 minutes, you're looking at around 55. Well, and, I mean, if he does start on Sunday, that's Parramatta's game plan for the first 20 minutes. I'd tire him out, try yeah. and tire him out. You're force happy to make as many tackles as you possibly can. It's tough, though, like, to start him because points are fucking at a premium from – might be – like, if Eels completed 85%, might be a real tight game and th- those points that you needed you couldn't get it's a tough call you know Ivan we trust though yeah he'll get it's not right. like he's fucking been in two grand finals in a row and he's going for his third um good b- good building for next year too shows you how strong their systems are yeah. that they can go oh yeah we'll just chuck mitch kenny in there and bring Appy on for their uh, whatever um well i think it was sonny luke who got man of the match in the flag grand or the new south yeah. cup grand final yeah, one yeah. of them yeah um, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Uh, Isaac Tungor, and apologies if it's Tago, but Isaac Tungor, uh, 20 tackles in centre. Five of them one-on-one. Doesn't get enough raps. Doesn't get enough raps. Got to remember, this is essentially his rookie season. Rookie season. You have to remind people every few weeks, don't you? This, this kid is playing his first first grade season, his first full first grade season. In centre, because he was coming off basically forward yeah. most times, I think, off the bench last year. What, four or five games? Um, I want to talk about the great Dylan Edwards. What a like a Cinderella story for this bloke. Again, as we spoke about, the last five to, five years especially, it's been all about fullbacks. Fullbacks, fullbacks, fullbacks. Hype, hype, hype. Million dollars, this, that, the next thing. The fullback that's been in the grand final three times in a row has been Dylan Edwards. And so it says something to this guy's work ethic. Like, the amount of times that... The Panthers were down and out, and it just looked like they had no answers. And you're going, "Ooh, Panthers are a little bit off." Just chuck the ball to Dylan Edwards; he'll do something. He'll find a way. He'll get us a quick play of the ball or break the line. He did that constantly on the weekend, constantly. Uh, 287 meters, 70 post contact, 14 tackle breaks, and a line break. He was outstanding. He was everywhere. He was actually my man of the match. Um, obviously, you could have easily given it to Cleary or Toto, but I, I just thought Edwards. You know, without him on the field, I just. I mean, maybe they still win, but I don't know. Like, he does so much important work. It's crazy. He's run for under 190 metres in one of his last 12 games. <laughs> crazy. It's fucking outrageous. Crazy God. numbers. Crazy numbers. Um, <laughs> I, like, He's 94 I'm, kilos. I know. He's not even, like, that big. Um, Moses, Leo, Moses Leota. I know he didn't have, like, the stats that, say, a Fisher-Harris or whatever had. But I thought he made some – I thought that tackle on Latrell was crucial because I, I honestly think – I don't think Latrell recovered. I, I think he was – look, I, I don't know, but I, I, I think he might have been a bit rattled, like, concussion-wise from that. I really do. Yeah, I think that and then into, you know, there was a couple of times where he threw those, those cutout passes, which the vast majority of times they get other teams. Mm. It's Penrith's side. Is just different though. Mm. Like for, to, to me, and you know, when, when Latrell was throwing those passes, like a lot of the times the defense looked the same, but Penrith they just they react to everything. Yeah, so much better than all these other teams. <coughs> I, I sort of felt like Latrell found himself sort of out there with no answers. Mm. He came up with a huge tackle on kick out one point. It was massive. Yep. He chased him down, but outside of that, um, yeah, I, I think that shot definitely had an impact on him early. Yeah, I, I think it did. I really do. I. I that had to have hurt. Like that, like though that weight going together. Fuck. Fair play to Latrell though. Got up, laughed it mm. off. But oh my god. So, you know, if your job as a front rower is to fairly 
and legally smash the superstar of the opposition. Leota did that. And you know what? When they played the Eels, um, Fisher-Harris was incredible. It was Leota fucking hunting blokes and snapping them in half. So just want to give a shout-out to Leota. He won't get the raps and, yeah, he won't do the stats. You go back and watch that game, nearly every big hit, he had a part to play in it. He's he's almost like their undercover enforcer. You've got Fisher-Harris, who is the big dog, no doubt. But Leota's just as much of a dog in there. He's a motherfucker. Right, and then you've got the other motherfucker. Oh, fuck. Spencer Lino. How good's he been in this final series? Um, you know, so, yeah, massive shout-out to him. Liam Martin, I thought, had some – just got through a bunch of work. Isaiah Yo, I think he's getting to a point now where he does it so consistently, so well, that we just expect it. You know, 148 metres, 55 post-contact, 39 tackles, zero misses in a prelim final is outstanding. Uh, yeah, they just – Sorensen comes on. Everyone came on and, like, did their job as well off the bench. I thought their bench was outstanding. You know, like, um, Salmon got, what, eight minutes? He got eight minutes. So let's just assume he didn't get on. They're, think about the impact their bench had. Apicorosau, Spencer Linu, and Scott Sorensen. Scott Sorensen ran for, in uh, 36 minutes, ran for 100 metres, 46 post-contact, 23 tackles, zero misses. Spencer Linu, 125 metres, a try, three tackle breaks, a line break, 12 tackles, zero misses. And Happy Corusau, we saw how that went. I mean, if you want your bench, your bench can't do more. That is – and you look at it, when did the Panthers take the next level and take the game away? It's when their bench players started coming on. Happy Corusau, Scott Sorensen, and all that. So um, going to be really interesting to see what the Eels do to combat that bench. Um, Just on it too, like we spoke about the try that Appy scored. Mate, the quick play the ball from kick out. Mm. He got absolutely whacked on that play. And instead of standing up and fucking around with the markers or trying to – he just – I hate that. I hate I, – it, it shits me so much. But it was Pet such hope. a smart play by kick out mm. to just get up as quick as he possibly could. But the markers weren't even – I think the markers thought he was going to get up and run again. Mm. It was such a – That's the one thing like when I – and I look, I didn't play many games, guys, I know. Basically a loser in NRL standards. But – like that's the one thing I always promise myself. I'm not going to worry about how I feel about something. My job is to play the ball yeah. as quickly as possible. It frustrates me when players are like looking at the ref, holding the ball in the hand. You're like, bro, how is that going to help anyone? Now the next guy's getting absolutely pumped for you. Um, and so you're right, kick out. Smart, kept his head. What I like as well, other than like Spencer Lean is a bit of a hothead. Not a bit, a lot. And fair enough, he got fucking head high. Like he had every right to be filthy at that because that was hectic. They're such a controlled, aggressive side. Like, they never really mm. – like, I'm trying to think of a time where they lost their heads. They really don't, do they? But they're hyper-aggressive. Um, Critter, good again. Great performance. Great performance. Uh, Cleary, look, what, what else is there to say about this kid? What else is there to say? The only thing, in my opinion, that's going to hold him back from true, true, true greatness – is conquering the Origin Arena. Because, like, I can't see a world where he doesn't at least win another premiership. <clears throat> and I think two premierships is enough to, like, start comparing yourself to. As in, like, if you're the guy that led... Because we have to remember, I know I talk about it quite a lot, guys, but when Cleary took over, Nathan Cleary, he was the only Origin player. They now have seven. It's, it's incredible. Um, but, like, if he does go out and win this weekend, I imagine he'll be 2 or $3 to win the Clive Churchill. Like... If he wins back-to-back prems with a Clive, like 
Freddie won two premierships. Joey won two. That's what I mean. You win two, like, you can you get stuck in bed. You've got to start to put him in that fucking conversation. If 100%. he wins back to back clients. Oh my god. Jeez. No one's done that since since Brett Kenny. That was forty years ago. Like what was and I wasn't around at the time. What was Freddie's or Joey's early career like in Origin? Because wasn't Joey coming off the bench at a nine or something? Well, jo- Joey was played a bit of hooker. Like Fr- Fr- Freddie played Origin eighteen, but Freddie was playing centre. Yeah, it wasn't okay. his team. Like Nathan Cleary was owning the New South Wales team at twenty one. They yeah, weren't okay. hyper successful. But he was the seven straight away. And, I mean, he's 24. Like, in a week's time, he could be 24 years old with two premierships as the halfback. And it's yeah. his team. He's the fucking captain. Yeah. that's the, And that's where I feel like if he wins this this comp, you can go as far to say, like, he's not obviously as good as Joey and Freddie yet. But any, any argument of, like, oh, don't compare him to a 25-year-old Joey is nonsense. Like, you absolutely can – if he wins this comp like this weekend – you absolutely can compare him to any 25-year-old that's ever played the game. I, 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 it's just the jury's it's done. With the opportunity to win arguably the strongest World Cup ever. Yeah. If you could go and put an exclamation mark there and win like a player of the tournament with another Premier I know there's yeah. plenty to do between now and then, but the opportunity's there oh. this year to go whack. Yeah, boom. Again, the, the only thing, and we've spoken about this privately, and I, I think you would agree, I want to get your thoughts. The only thing I think that we want to see from him is to like own a complete series and then you can then you can throw his name in the bucket of like Joey, Freddie. Because like Freddie had 2004, Joey had 2005. Yeah, well, jo- um, Freddie won 02. Yeah, but as in like own the whole the series. series. Oh, the Origin Series, yeah, yeah 04, yes. Yeah, 04. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey owned 05. Yeah. You'd say Lockie owned 2006. Six, yeah. Um, you know, Cam Smith owned fucking multiple. I think 2017 was fucking one of his all-timers. But that that's the real folklore stuff, I think, is that, that Origin Arena. Which he doesn't really have at the moment. And you look back... He's got like, single games, for sure. Single games, yeah. yeah. But he doesn't have that series. And he, he also doesn't have a final series for me yet either. Like, mm. he was good last year, but it wasn't their attack that got them home. It was their defense. I think this final series... This final series yeah. is the one that if he, if he gets it. MOM in the GAF yeah. and wins it, like, this will go down as one of the best final series by seven, I reckon. Well, yeah, right up there. Because he's come back with five, oh, five weeks. Boom, straight into it. Yep. Killed it. Um, so, yeah, look. it's I, I don't know. Like, I want I want the Eels to win because I the history stuff. Like... And I want the Eels to win also because, like, I know the Panthers are going to win another couple in the next 10 years. But in saying that, fuck, it would be good to see, like, Cleary lift that trophy, you know, after after the Origin Series and the negativity, the, the hit that he took and everything that happened and rah, rah, rah. Fuck, it'd be good to see him just go boom. Um, anything else you want to add with the uh, – oh, quickly. Dylan Edwards, does he have to go – he has to go away with the Australian squad, surely. Can they fit him in? I just as a the second fullback. Yeah, but they're also going to have a number like they're, they're going to have Latrell there. Mm-hmm. Um, would you play Trell fullback for for Australia, or would you just if Teddy was up? out? Well, do you think Meninga sees him as a fullback? Put it that way, because there's a lot of clubs that didn't even don't see him as or didn't or don't see him as a fullback. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hesitate from playing him there to yeah. be honest with you. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. If 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 it, I'd selected him and there was no other fullbacks in my Team. It's I tough agree. though because if I take Dylan Edwards, in my opinion, I take Dylan Edwards to play him at fullback. Mm. I wouldn't play Edwards on the wing. I don't think I could shove him in at centre. 
Whereas you've got all these other guys, you, you've got your Jack Whitens, your Matty Burtons, your Latrell Mitchells, who can play multiple positions, who I would probably lean towards taking them over Edwards, despite Edwards having a better season. Yeah. Because what, what are the chances you're actually – like, you might use Edwards for, you know, a pool game. But I, I just don't know if I'd take up a spot, and that's incredibly unfair on Edwards, yeah. but it's just the way it's played out. Yeah. What do you reckon, Timmy? I suppose, yeah, it just depends how many positions they've got. I, I think Teddy's obviously first-choice fullback. Um, really interesting to see what happens with Luttrell. Where, uh, like it's probably the best thing for the side. Let's say Teddy did go down injured. Yeah, like what's the best thing for the side? And I think that's nearly Luttrell at centre. I don't say that with confidence, but if you can go Luttrell at centre, who with a lot of these uh, defections to the Pacific Nations... Clubs, maybe we can use that firepower in the outside backs. Obviously, no Tommy Turbo's there, there as well. So if we put in, say, a Gutho or a Dylan Edwards at fullback and Latrell at centre and let him roam around a little bit, play that Joey Manu sort of centre role, as a team, I think it probably works better. Mm. Um, in terms of Dylan Edwards, as I said, it depends how many fullbacks they take and where they see Latrell playing if Teddy's out. But I, I, still, I feel bad saying this, but I'd probably still go Gutho just ahead of him. As you said, a bit more versatility across positions. Can probably play as a bench utility more if needed, although there's probably not a spot for that. Uh, I think I'd just go Gutho ahead of him in, mm. if, if it was between them two. Yeah. The other one's just Hines. Yeah. You take Hines, you could well. play him as a one if you wanted to. Yeah, well. I, yeah. I think Hines would be more taken out back, taken as like a definite half back up. And you've got, so you've got Hunt at nine. So you're taking Cleary, Chaz and Hines? Or? Yeah, I think so. Take all three? Yeah, okay. I think so. Um the one unlucky one to miss out, maybe Burton, Burton or Whiten, but I don't think they will. You think they'll both go? So do you think Hines goes or not? I think Hines goes. So you think they'll take Ches, Cleary, Hines, Whiten? No, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think one of them will miss. One like, of those. As in like Whiten or, Whiten or um, Burton. Burton will miss out. I think one of them, I think, will miss out. Unless Edwards miss out and Gutho miss out. Because there's no point taking... I don't think there's any point taking um, Whiten, uh, Burton, Hines, like and Hines, and then you take Gutho as well because it's like you've you've got the, a lot of it covered. Mm. Um, so the coverage isn't the issue; it's more the specialty. If you know what I'm saying, yeah, like, yeah. and that's why the Edwards is a specialty. Like, boom, straight in fullback. It's interesting. To be honest, I think we'd have to sit down and go thirty man squad. Yeah, how many can you fucking fit in here? Um, but it's it's, it's going to be tough. Like it'll be me. interesting. Like if Penrith do win this grand final on Sunday, like if I was Dylan Edwards and I don't get picked, I'd feel hard done by. So yeah, if I was Appy and I don't get a bait, I'd feel hard done by too. Yeah. Fair call. Do we? Fair call. Do we think Appy's maybe jumped Damien Cook? I personally think he has. Mm. I think he's sitting behind Ben Hunt and behind Harry Grant probably. Fuck. But you could arguably have him in front of Harry Grant. Oh. Fuck, I don't know. I think Harry Grant's like, because he's so relatively young. Mm. Mate, it's a tough one. I think you'd probably take three hookers. So you take Benny Hunt, mm. Harry Grant, and then either Appy or Cook miss out. Which is fucking so I think bullshit. Happy that goes personally. Yeah. Wow, what a tough side to make. Seriously. Um, anything else? Anything else, boys, with the Panthers? Oh, they're a good footy side. I can know. Now, quickly with the Rabbitohs. Um, Look, just the game was there. The game was there. They just made some really crucial errors at crucial times. Uh, I thought, unfortunately, Latrell Mitchell had a, a pretty poor game. And look, 
I think a lot of people get caught up looking at Latrell's stats and you can't look at his stats to see whether he's had a good game. He's not like your typical fullbacks. He's never going to run for 250 metres. I mean, he might every now and then. Um, in saying all of that, he still did, he had a he had a poor game, unfortunately. I just felt Latrell from the get-go was looking for the big play instead of just tucking the ball. What I would – if I'm a coach with Latrell, and it's – look – it's hard because he's a superstar. He, he's literally carried that side into the finals. Latrell, if Latrell doesn't come back, that side doesn't make the eight, honestly. But I would honestly say Latrell, first three to five touches, no passing. I want you to run straight and hard just to get him in that mode, in that mood, then look to, to, to pass the ball. And I thought on the weekend, he was just too soon looking for that big, big cut-up ball. The one time he did hit short, they scored. Yep. Um, and so, like a lot of people, like, you know, all the Latrell haters come out and, yeah, where was Latrell, this, that, and the next thing. It's like, guys, human beings have quiet games. Like, it wasn't that long ago, Nathan Cleary apparently wasn't a big game player. How many big games does Latrell have to fucking kill it in before we say, just an off night for Latrell, just an off night? Yeah. It's not a good thing, like, in the sense of, like, you want your superstars to be on in the big games, but every now and then, have an off night. Yeah, and it worked out well for the Latrell haters that he played Penrith off a week off too, just quietly. <laughs> Mate, it's just, yeah. So, yeah, he had a poor game. There's no denying that. Um, I thought it was really tough to just get up and keep playing after that shot from Leota because that was incredible, massive hit. Uh, and he wasn't the only one. You know, I thought Cody Walker, you know, probably didn't have his best game as well. Um, it just, I actually thought their forward pack was quite good. The, the Rabbitohs, I thought their forward pack was quite good. Uh, I thought their centres were outstanding. I thought Tass and Campbell Graham were incredible. Tass, 211 metres, 163 metres for Campbell Graham, took some of the toughest carries you'll ever see. Um, I just thought that just a few crucial errors really, really hurt the, the Rabbitohs at crucial times. But at the end of the day, successful season. I thought Richie Kenner was pretty good. I think, what, did he drop one ball? Was it one? Anyway, I thought he was really good out of his own end. Um, just just crucial errors at crucial times that, that hurt him. If Put it this way, if, if they had a closed out that first half, I think we're looking at a very different game. I just, I think that the fact that they went into the break at 12 all, it just, it just broke their heart. It was demoralised. Yeah, just broke, like they should have gone into the break 12 nil up. Yeah, and I think, you know, you obviously mentioned there you want Latrell's first few runs just to be, just to t- take them on, like, his first few were because for the first five minutes, so clear he was in control and he was just dropping kicks to him to force him to run, mm. kicking early, putting it on the deck and whatnot. Um, but yeah, then the South Sydney defense, like I, I had, a, I had a lot of people that messaged me and said at halftime, going, "My God, Cleary's kick for four hundred." It's like, yeah, because of South Sydney's yeah, defense. defense. Yeah, it's been incredible. Like I, I think that those, those kicking stats can be a bit misleading somehow. I, I think that was full credit to South Sydney that they they had him on a ro- on the ropes for. Kiki, clearly, was kicking on four regularly, yeah. and that's a sign of you're getting dominated. Yeah, and they were. They, they, they were getting pushed back. They, they were in all sorts for the mm. first 30 minutes, and mm. it just shows, like, we've said it all year. You know, we said it with the, 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 the Sharks game, the exact same thing when they took on Penrith. The Rabbitohs, they, 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 they played to that intensity for 30 minutes and got blown away. Cronulla Sharks that night, they played to that intensity till about the 50th. Yeah. They got blown away. You just... That's what you hate. <laughs> you can't play. If you play 75 minutes, you'll get beat. Yeah. And that's what they do. They just get you in this. Every time you think, why are all these errors happening in this team? 
against Penrith, it's because they just force it out of you. They're so grindy. And like there was a moment there where like Penrith were in all sorts, and Mitch Kenny was a dummy half, and there was a bit of confusion where he was meant to go, and it completely fucked the entire set. Not a single one of them put their arms up or yeah. said what. They're just comfortable. Mm. We we always say comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> That's how they are. They're just happy to be in the grind because mm. they know they're going to last longer than you. Yeah, um, Timmy. Mm, yeah, a bit of, bit of drama at the bar, boys. I've just poked myself in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when that happens. I've been, I've been rattled for the last five minutes just hoping you weren't going to throw to me. And you didn't. <laughs> Thank God, I don't know what we've been talking about. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm back. I saw you. I was like, are you really tired? <laughs> no, I was going to say, mate, you want to have a break. No, no, straight in the eye anyway. I'm, I'm back. <laughs> it was actually me beak, bros. <laughs> <laughs> My beak fucking got you across the top. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, mate, unfortunately, uh, and I, I did hear you among the chaos of uh, talking about Latrell Mitchell there somewhere, and mate, you, you spoke about everything he's done this season. I'm, I'm with you. I think they probably struggled to make the eight big time if Latrell doesn't come back this season, but he didn't have a good game. Um, he had some really good moments, as Latrell does, but just positioning, he got caught out a few times really poorly with those three tries in behind the line, the grubbers. That was so, so soft. Now, he's the polar opposite player in every way to someone like Clint Gutherson and Dylan Edwards, who, mm. if they're in that game, I reckon probably two or three of those at least don't happen and they're covered because they were very easy tries. They were very, like, credit to Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai, who spotted those gaps in one line so well, but it, it, the positioning was quite poor. And, and it, it just, every time I see these easy tries in behind the line, I think back to. And I've spoken about it in depth before, but just the fullbacks defending at A. And, and it's kind of like you can't have both of these things where you have them defending in the line, but then expect them to be there to cover every kick. Mm. One thing I did come up with potentially that if, if I were a coach, I think whenever possible, I'd be getting my fullback when they're at that A marker to go the short side. Mm. Now, if you look at play the ball, you can't always do this, but at least if they're the short side, as soon as the ball goes to the open, they can fly in behind the line and cover this. Whereas the, the try where Cleary kicked in behind for Lenu, he was at A on the open side and I was like, mate, you've got to go. Then I looked at it again. If he goes, the gap opens up, Cleary steps off his right and goes straight through. So there wasn't a lot he could do. Mm. But if you do keep him short side, at least they can go in behind. On the flip side of that, there was also the one where Cleary kicked for himself. Latrell was at A on the short side. Cleary being the genius that he is. I don't know if he thought about time, but it's clear. So probably he went to the short side attracted Luttrell, had a bit of a jink, then went back to the open. So Luttrell was out of position, grubbed in, and it was just open. Yeah, I, I, I watched that. I just think that maybe the Rabbitohs are the, the ones that are most guilty of it, but there are some of the clubs as well too greedy by putting your fullback in the line there. Oh. I think it's too greedy. Like what I love, if you go back and watch the Eels a lot, what they do is instead is they, they trust Gutho to get across to the wing. Mm as the extra man. So like they go, okay, Gutho's not in one, but we're going to trust that if, as we come up, he's going to be tra tracking so hard that if, if they do strip us in their five meters out, he's going to hit him as he gets the ball. My, it's a tactical thing. And I understand why Rabbitohs do it and other teams do it where they put the full back in the line to deceptively deceive and make the, the attacking team feel like they've got no spare numbers. Um, I, I just think it's too greedy. I think you, you got to be safe, Similar to what the Eels do, and when you're on your line, don't put him at A. Don't put him at A. I don't. Or, or if if you put him at A, like make the B soup everything tight, really, really tight, so that they can get in behind. Because as more tape gets released, 
more and more clubs are going to start realising their fullbacks constantly in the line. We're just kicking it straight behind because at the very least, we get a repeat set. So, yeah, I agree with you in regards to the positioning. I think it's a mixture of – I do think his fitness needs a little bit of work um, and it is a mixture of tactics. I think I, I think it's just too greedy. I know why they do it. It's like the, the, the short dropout. I know you're a fan of it. I just – fuck, it just it, stresses me out. It's seriously. Scary. I, like, I, I'm with you and I think – you talk about Gutho and rather than him being at A all the time, there's more more of a, a an idea of let's get him and be that last man to, to cover the winger. He, mm. they, they still get the extra man, but they get him out wide as opposed to being tight. And that's what teams did for years and years and years prior to this fullback at A market coming in the last sort of two to three years where it's like it worked for a couple of teams then every other coach in there said, oh, we have to do that as well. We can't get left behind. You know who did it a lot? Um, that I don't know if he invented it, but he kind of introduced it to do it a lot. Darius Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. He would Lots. get into the line really regularly. I just think it's found out now. And, and it's like they've gone, that's the only way of doing it. Well, I still like your, your fullback being the last man on the wing and flying mm. across. Now, both sides, whether they're at A or whether they're flying across as the winger, um, have their pros and cons. But I tell you what, the, the method of power where you've got Gutho sliding out on the back all the time, you don't get these grubber tries in mind yeah. or you get them occasionally. Well, how, many times, how many times have we seen that this year where the fullback's been in the line mm. and they've gotten beaten? Not just Rabbitohs or Trell or whatever. There's multiple times it's, it's becoming more regular where you see the everyone goes, where the hell was the fullback? And then you watch the replay and you're like, oh, he's in the front line. That decided that prelim final. Not, not, not saying... Penrith uh, wouldn't have won otherwise, but three tries they scored off mm. it, where there wasn't anyone within coup of yeah. the ball. I think it's I, I I think it's a tactics thing from Rabideau, uh mixed with obviously a bit of fitness from Troll, um, and so yeah I, I I agree like it's I, I just think it's got to change. I don't I don't it's mm. too it's just risk like it's so much harder to score a try on the wing than it is around the ruck. So why not go, if you're going to score, you're going to do it in the corner and we're going to have a, a really a fullback that's tra- tracking all the way um, to get there. So, look, I think a full big off-season for Troll is going to be great. Um, he's got other things that other fullbacks don't have to deal with in the sense that he's such a big, big, strong body. He has to make sure that um, he stays on top of his fitness because if he stays on top of his fitness, like, he, he could... I know we say it every week with talented stars, but he really could be anything at fullback. Like his silky hands is is some. It's a sight I've never seen. I've never seen a player as big as him be able to throw cutout balls like it's nothing. Um, and you know, so that, that's why he's a superstar. You know, we we praise him when he does really well, which he has done. He has been phenomenal ever since he's come back. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the big fella on the weekend didn't have the best game. Uh, and it wasn't just him that didn't have the best game, but hopefully he goes away um, after the playing for Australia, has a rest, comes back, you know, ready to go next week because I think more than ever now he's going to know personally, like, they need him to win comps, period. But that's it. There's no other – no one's going to help. No one's going to save it. They need him to win comps. And it will be interesting with this World Cup. Like, it'll be the first – off season in a while where he'll have four or five weeks off instead of 12 or 13. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back next year. Yeah. The, the, the good thing is, is like, you know, you can focus on the one game and it was the biggest game of the year, no denying it. But at the end of the day, when you look at, since he came back, he was outstanding. He was outstanding. So 
the evidence would suggest he's going to have a great year next year. Uh, he, you know, his last two years have been a bit stop and start with everything that's gone on. So um, I'm backing the big fella in because some of the stuff he put off this year was absolutely phenomenal. And um, I'm sure he himself is like, you know what, probably could have a bit of a, a better game. Uh, same with Cody Walker. I'm sure Walks, you know, thought there were certain things he could have done better. Uh, but again... To be totally fair, we're talking about the Penrith Panthers here, you know. Like, we're talking about one of the most dominant sides we've ever seen. Like, 32-12 probably didn't reflect the game. So, I don't think the Rabbitohs fans should be too disappointed at all. Just want to give a quick shout-out to Keon. It's really easy to be like a front-runner. In a game that you lose 32-12, to run for 133 metres, 61 post-contact, three tackle breaks, 40 tackles with zero misses. That just... If that doesn't show you how far this kid has come... I don't know what will. What, 23 years old now? 22, 23 years old. 40 tackles, zero misses in a prelim final against the reigning premiers. That's incredible. He's 24. Like, that is incredible. He's got so long to go. I think next year's going to be an even bigger year for Keon. I thought this year he was absolutely outstanding. And he's no longer like the kid with potential for me now. He is now an elite back rower. And if his name isn't in discussion for Origin, if he wants to play for New South Wales... I'll be surprised. I'll be surprised next year. Um, Cam Murray, as usual, gets through 1,053 tackles, 162 metres. Um, I thought Seller came on and played really well. He's going to have a big season next yeah. year, I reckon. With Mark Nichols going, there'll be a spot that will open up there. I, I think he's going to be in for a big one. He's, he's he's warmed to the task a number of times this year, and then he cops an injury where he's out for two or three weeks. You go and have a look through his season, it's sort of like four or five weeks straight, then he misses three. Then he mm. comes back, he recovers. Um, oh, I think he's going to do really well next year, Salah. Yeah. So, Rabbitohs fans, like, disappointing, obviously, but at the same time, what a year. Like, we're talking about a post-Wayne Bennett side here. Usually it's a disaster. Yeah. Got to a prelim. <clears throat> Who knows? Like, if you had to play – maybe you play on the other side of the table – Maybe you do make it to the final. I think for South Sydney, though, to come out of this season, I think the number one thing they'll come out saying is, we need to finish top four. They give us that you second chance. You've got to win this comp. You've yeah. got to finish top four. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a um, it just, benefit. Uh, it just can't be done. Like Look at like the Eels. Yep. They lose that game, they get another shot, and they, yep. they just get bounced to the other side of the, the comp, which is the other side of the table. Camp your time waste uh, two weeks in a row. You've unjustly overlooked the GOAT. <laughs> Marky Nichols. Oh, sorry, bros. An- an- another notch-, notch on his resume. First try scorer last week. First try assist this week. Oh, oh fuck, uh, Mate, man. he can do it all. He can do it all, the all big fella. All in hand, whether he's dishing, whether he's doing it himself. Uh, led me to do it a, a few more deeper dive on big nosy Nichols. He uh, 12-6 in this game when nosy was on the field. Yeah. Yeah, big stats, 126 metres. They won 10 of 14 games since he came back from injury this year. May have coincided with Latrell Mitchell coming back, <laughs> but four of those losses included the Panthers twice and the Roosters. So, mate, don't underestimate the loss of the fella. <laughs> it was a big fella all along. I just don't know where the points come from next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else to say about the Rabbitohs, boys? No, good season. Good season. What well I'm talking. Yeah, incredible season. So well done, boys. Especially everything that you, you know, you all the players you lost and the coach and rah rah. Um, and I'd be excited next year. Lockie Elias, another another bloody. Uh, Year under his belt. Just quietly, he played three sudden death games of finals footy. He missed four tackles. Oh, oh right. That's such good defence. Considering Angus Crichton 
put his pants down in the Fuck. last week and yeah. everyone was talking about his defence. What a bounce back. Yeah, massive. Absolutely massive. We'll say one, one more thing about South. In their last, like, we, we, we saw how good their run was at the end of the year. The teams they had to play in their last 11 games has been Storm, Sharks, Warriors, Outlier, Eels, Panthers, Cowboys, Roosters, Roosters again, Sharks, Panthers. Jesus. And, like, that's where, you know, you've got to cut Latrell a bit of slack here. Like, he had one poor game. Look at the teams he's played and absolutely, f- like, played incredibly, you know, in. So, look, there's, there's no denying your superstar players need to stand up. That's absolutely. But when you – bird's eye view, not bad, not bad. It right. also makes it so hard when your superstar players have to stand up for the eight weeks before that to get you into the – Yeah, it's true. When you're finishing in the four and you can have, you know, that two-week period like Parramatta had and the Cowboys had at the end of the season where you can sort of go, okay, we're in, we yeah. need to focus on well, that month. Eels are a good, uh, a good example. Their superstar player, <clears throat> the big game, played poorly, but they had players around – him to help him through that you know poor game um and unfortunately rabbitos like they're just so reliant on trail like without trail they're just they're not even top eight probably really um anyway i actually have to go boys i apologize so we won't be able to preview quickly we'll just do a quick who do you think wins guru penrith 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 maddie i'll go para yeah i just think penrith will be too good (laughs) Oh, look, we've got him finally. I've got him. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I shouldn't do that because, like, I've gone this whole year. Yeah. No, no. But look, I'll put it this way: if Eels complete over eighty-five percent, they win the game. But I don't think. I think yeah. I think Panthers. I think Panthers. But yeah. I want Eels to because I the whole year I've been backing them in. They've been incredible. They haven't let me down. So we'll see. No, no, I've been very anti paramatter all year. I'm more nervous than I ever have been now. Yeah. <laughs> Credit to them. Well, like, they're a scary side because when they complete at a high completion, they beat anyone, yep. literally. So I, I will say, like, knowing from South in 2014 what it was like, so many para fans listening to this, we've never seen their team win. So just for that reason, I, I want to see para win. That's what I mean. I want to see para win. Just be, I, wanna, I want the para Eels fans to fucking feel that shit. Like... Panthers, they're going to win a few more comps. Like, that's it. We all know that. I'm bleeding golden blue this week. Bleeding golden golden. Win. Yeah, it'll be incredible. I want to, I want to, and we love an underdog here. We love an underdog. Um, but I just think Cleary, Penny Panthers, they'll find a way. They'll find a way. But who knows? I've been wrong a thousand times this year. A thousand times. Uh, yeah, I'll put it this way. I've been wrong, more wrong than I've been right. Uh, but anyway, that's us done and dusted, guys. Remember, this Sunday, we will be outside the stadium at the Locker Room Hotel doing a live show at 4.30pm. In regards to any questions about, you know, underage people, can they come or whatever, give the Locker Room Hotel a call. It's going to be chockers, guys, so get down there early, get your spot, celebrate the year with us, and as usual, I'll go and fuck myself. Thank you.